What you're about to witness is a man with nothing to lose Chip on his shoulder but he's lost with nothing to prove Nothing to gain, he's not stuck in the lane Which is the buckets and chains, they say he's insane Hello, this is Spotlight on the IndieCorner.com. I'm Benno, with me as always is JP and our good friend Rev Joe. Joe, how's it going? Rev Joe? Wow. <laughs> we decided that's your nickname now. Okay. You Apparently you're under Andy Q's payroll, that's what I've heard. Am I? Yeah. But this is rumour. From where? Oh, Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that website that you don't go on? Yeah, so I'm like the Johnny Impact of uh, Rev Pro at this point, eh? <laughs> I think that's how it works. Have you been, JP? You've uh, been busy doing some podcasting off the Indie Corner, doing uh, your big Euro Adventure podcast. I saw that come yeah. on today. Yeah, with um, with Mike Kilby and Arm Furious on the Eurograps feed on SoundCloud. Um, really good fun. We're basically taking a deep dive into European wrestling. So starting off this week with Denmark... Um, the next one is going to be White Wolf and then it's having a look at like these big shows in Turkey that draw a good few thousand interesting yeah and even possibly Russia like it's like a real dive into the kind of what else is going on out there so there's some really interesting stuff going on so yeah come along have a listen I want to see you go out there on location, JP. That's what I want, like a JP is weird weekend style podcast. I think that Forest, could work. Correspondent. I, I'm up for it. I won't lie. Russia frightens me. Do you think this could be you transitioning away from being the um, spotlight um, women's wrestling correspondent to be <laughs> young boy correspondent as well? Yeah. <laughs> you're again. That never sounds good. <laughs> never sounds good. How do you feel about, maybe we could send you out to Saudi Arabia? I believe there's a big show going on out there you could go and uh, cover for us, JP. Oh, I, I think if I went out there in any kind of what would be considered to be a journalistic capacity, I can't see that being the place to visit at the moment. It's like <laughs> well, well away from that. I think you'd come back in bits, wouldn't you? Oh, I think so. Literal human remains of JP yes. flying back into the country. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we might, I mean, you know, we, we we make light of it, but that show's going to go ahead, isn't it? Yeah, you see, John, your boy John Oliver did like a, a thing on it, didn't he, last week? And yes. that's even the pressure of that and the Kane being a Republican—is he a governor? No, he's a mayor, isn't he? Uh, he's yeah, out there going out and wrestling. It's kind of insane, isn't it? It's hard. To, it's hard to avoid just how big and crazy that story is. But yeah, when it what are they getting paid? Thirty to fifty million for a show is the estimate. They're just going to do it, aren't they? They're going to they're going to just go for it. It's Vince McMahon. He's not going to listen to anybody other than Vince McMahon. The best um, explanation of it I've heard is is that he lives in his world, and because in his world he didn't do anything wrong, he's just trying to make money. Mm. Therefore, he's angry at people t- telling him he can't do something because he's just like, well, I didn't do anything wrong. It's got nothing to do with me. I'm going out there and doing a show. And they think by just not mentioning the words Saudi Arabia that somehow this all goes away and they fly in and do this show and disappear. Mm. I mean, he's a fucking Egypt, but <laughs> there's, no, there's no way he's going to get away with it. I'd hate the position I'd be put in by that company if I worked for him as well, though. Like, it's horrible, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. You, you, 
horrible position. It's probably good for them that Sami Zayn's injured at the moment. Yeah. So oh. that's the Sami Zayn ban on the go and all the rest of it. But I'd, I'd love it if there was someone who, I know, you know, this living in the real world and all, but someone was just willing to stand up and take a fire in. I'd love it if, like, the revival went, <laughs> ah, fuck this. And they fired and we got all in two with the revival versus the Young Bucks. <laughs> That'd be great. Just use it as a springboard. Make a stand. <laughs> Happen, you it? never so, work again that's the thing isn't it that's how you got the likes of bradshaw who i'm not even sure he's on the wwe payroll anymore going on fox news and yeah. defending the company to the hilt and yeah other than i think last time Corey graves came out didn't he and kind of made a, an offhand comment on twitter about how it was nice to be back in in america but didn't really expand on it that's about as much detail as you're going to get from the wrestlers isn't it they're just in a the position that they're in um with WWE yeah, being you, such you, a monopoly. Give it a few years, and some of those guys aren't there. We're going to be getting mm. sort of stories about this. These Saudi Arabia shows, aren't we? I reckon it's going yeah. to be a subject that will keep coming up forever and ever. Just don't want to be the next Neville, do they? That's the thing. Well, it's going to be. It's, it's going to get to the point though, where I mean, one of the things we've been following is obviously the the kind of reports about the um, about what the contract situation is with the Bucks and um, Cody and and Kenny Omega and the rest. That with that contract situation, um, do they really want to go to a place like WWE where you're going to go to Saudi Arabia, regardless of whatever mooted problems there are in New Japan with Harold May and whoever the other bloke is? It's it, it's it's not going to make it a company that you're going to want to go, go and work for because I mean this is what's the closest we've had to this when Anoki did that show in was it ninety one in ninety five the North 95 Korea shows. Nor- yeah yeah WCW went out there too. But weirdly, that kind of flies completely under the radar. I mean, that's very rarely brought up other than the crowd sizes. Mm. Yeah, yeah, true. I suppose, I don't know. It's a different world. Different, and, completely different world. Yeah. 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 You know, with globalization now and all the rest of it, mm. you know, mm. is much bigger than it was in 1995. So I think that makes yeah. a difference as well to this. WWE did those shows in Kuwait, didn't they, in the Middle East? And yeah. sort of mid-90s, I remember the, like, Austin Brett out there and stuff. So They've been know, to they, Saudi before as well, haven't they? They've been yeah, out there a yeah, few yeah. times. But these are much more high-profile because of the mm. money involved and the propaganda aspect of yeah, the show. Yeah, that's a big thing. Because it's tied in with that Vision 2030 mm. and all of the various... I mean, I know that the Observer had a big report and a lot of the stuff going on in Saudi uh, Arabia at the weekend and tying it in with, with a lot of the business aspects of it, of the companies that are ki- kind of tied in. I mean, it's this is the worst kind of publicity. Because even, you know, you get into the, the idea of what's happened with the journalist, but then you get on top of it the kind of cynicism of putting it on uh, a week after the Evolution pay-per-view. Oh, it's obvious what's going and, on there, isn't it? And, 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 a, is and you like to think if there's any serious news sources, if this is still a story at that state in play, it's those kind of things where they think they can kind of bullshit a wrestling audience mm. and you get proper journalists on the beat for that. You know, we were sort of going beyond David Bixenspan writing pieces for Deadspin into mm. the kind of New York Times of the world and the Washington Post, and they're in trouble. And they can't blag their way out of it. Good. I've never known a the, company and that's to it. pat themselves on the back more than these twats. I, I let, honestly, let's do something forward-thinking. Oh, well done to us. Put your hands together. We're only <laughs> 10 years behind the curve, yeah. if not more. But, oh, well done to us. Oh, here's 
20 minutes dedicated to breast cancer awareness on our TV show, you know. Rather than donations and, and, and doing work behind the scenes. Yeah, yeah, look how great we are. Don't we love a bit of PR that's positive and putting spin on things? I've never known a company to pat themselves on the back more mm. than this lot. It's mm. embarrassing. It's one of the things that puts me off of. So I hope when, you know, they do something wrong and the back slapping can't go on, they get a proper wrist slapping instead. That would be yeah. nice. Mm. Yeah, so I, I think... Uh, I think the problem though is that it's because it's re- it's just wrestling, isn't it? And that's it's it kind of it's going to get an element of attention, but there's it's only ever going to go so far because it is it's just that wrestling stuff. Um, and I think th- if anyone will get away with it, it's WWE. If anyone's going to get away with just not mentioning the place that they're going on Raw or SmackDown and treating the fans like idiots and just going out there quietly and doing the show and maybe. Maybe backing out a little bit and maybe not doing so much of the propaganda. I really can't see them riding through this stuff, riding through the controversy. Vince is good mates with Trump. He rides through things like this. He's on. He's he's just as you know. He's been all over the the media, kind of almost not defending Saudi Arabia, but you know, putting doubt out there. I think they'll follow that lead. Linda's in the cabinet. You know, they're gonna they're gonna try and, and get through it. And I think because it's that wrestling stuff, they will. I don't know. I I think this time round, what might complicate it is what Fox thinks about this. And if Fox thinks they Rupert pay... Murdoch's Fox, come on. Well, the, at this point, there's a lot of things going on within the Fox kind of empire. They're having to split certain things up and sell other elements as well. But I think with with this, that Fox won't want to be dealing with a brand that could be considered to be somewhat it's it's how toxic it gets how toxic does the brand get as a result of this and if it gets in any way toxic and that then starts to affect sponsors and it's you know these days you've got various kind of pressure groups that are going to be able to directly target their sponsors as well this then affects how they you know how how fox feel about them as a show and what they've spent and then this could end up badly for really what's at this point down to kind of one person's stubbornness mm, yeah that's kind of uh that's i think i think the fact that it's again the fact that it's fox i know there's a difference between the the, the tv division and the yeah. what they do that you know the truck they can't sell at the moment because of monopoly laws and all those kinds of things but mm. i do still think it's fox so if anybody yeah. can get yeah. away with it it's them um and i do think it's again yeah it's vince so He's going to push it as far as he can. I just, yeah, something about that whole triumvirate relationship of Trump, Murdoch, McMahon. It's only a matter of years before Stephanie runs for office. So yeah, maybe that'll be the defining factor. Maybe if the pressure does get oh, too much, yeah. they'll be worrying about that. You know, that Stephanie 2030 run or, or whatever it might be. Against Dwayne Johnson. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, yeah. Wrestling played <laughs> out in uh, in politics to the oh. <laughs> It could happen. Bleak times, eh? Do you know what I can? I can seriously imagining that that taking place. And he said mm-hmm. that I felt like I was crushing inside. <laughs> you know, running for office, and it's you know, she is no different from from him. Actually, just with he seems I don't know who has more humility, her, 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 or or um, her or Vince. First man, Triple H. <laughs> Oh, first ever female uh, president. Wow. <laughs> I hope there's been a female president before. before <laughs> her. Love of God, oh. please. 
Please. Never hear the end of the bumpers on Raw, you know, never mind the longest weekly episodic TV show. If they get a McMahon in the White House properly, then yeah. Imagine gotcha. imagine the inauguration with King of Kings playing. <laughs> <laughs> Would she be wearing that like backwards leather hat she used to wear when she was uh, when she first yeah. entered Triple H in the two thousands? I could I could imagine yeah. that's very presidential. Yeah, yeah. Will we get any footage of that boob slip when Triple H uh, pedigree episode <laughs> eighteen? Could happen. <laughs> um, I suppose aside from the, uh, the Saudi Arabia, I don't know how we got onto that, the Saudi Arabia stuff. <laughs> Have you been watching much else? I'm guessing neither you bother watching the uh, the NWA anniversary event last night. No one was uh, interested in uh, in Cody and Magnus and their rematch after after last time. No, no, no takers. As you didn't. No, uh, it was no. all fight. I used some of my fight books to, to result. Get- yeah, I used some of my fight books to get my mate the access so he could watch it, Matty. Uh, he was giving me rave reviews about that match, so I am tempted. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I read yeah. some quite good things. Um, uh, you know, if I had good things, I might have a, might have a sneaky peek. I can't say I'm interested in watching any uh, Samuel Shaw, that's for sure. Oh, is he on it? Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, you're going to watch it now. He's in. Willie Mack was on well, it. Yeah, I'm kind of all about Samuel Shaw. Mack. Oh, for fuck's sake. Yeah, they, they have a match for the some new NWA title. Okay. So you're going to watch it now? Oh, You'll I'm more it. Only, only 25 fight books, JP. <laughs> oh, I, don't, I, can't, I can't go for that. I, can't, <laughs> I did go all in last time. Oh, I, am I really... I liked... From what I've seen of Willie Mack this week, I'm kind of happy with my Willie Mack fix. I don't know if I need to go a step further. Mate, you haven't had a Samuel Shaw fix in a while. I know you had a little tease of it all in, but the Christy <laughs> no. Henry Stalker storyline. I, I don't know why you, you think that. I like that. It was awful. <laughs> you were TNA's biggest fan, were you? Oh, TNA's biggest fan. <laughs> I was a big fan, yeah. I wasted, <laughs> wasted a lot of time on that. <laughs> you mentioned it there, JP. I assume you both watched that. You both watched Barn for Glory last week. Willie Mack, let you say, he was on there shouting out for the loudest fans to. Uh, he's giving away seats after the opening match of a pay per view. Nothing says low rent like that. Uh, yeah. yeah, sometimes as much. It, wasn't he? What's that mean? He was pretty good at it. Mm. There's a flogging those seats. Sorry. <laughs> No, he is. Yeah, that's it. He's a he's a good salesman. Um, yeah, t- that's the thing. As much as you know, where we'll we'll say impacts improved. TNA is always going to TNA, and they're always going to do things like that. Um, I don't know. Briefly, uh, did you both watch it? What did you make of it? I thought that first hour with the Willie Mac Schilling was pretty awful. I thought the Aries off script talk was pretty awful as well. James Elwer turning up. Uh, it definitely got better though. Oh, I skipped through it. I can't say I watched the James Ellsworth stuff. Oh. Uh, <laughs> the bits that I've watched, I really enjoyed, to be honest with you. I thought the opening tag with uh, Willie Mack and Rich Swan was really good fun. Um, I really liked that six-man with uh, Phoenix Pentagon and Brian Cage against OVE. Mm. Oh, and- God. That was like the most indie match I think I've seen on like in a while as far as six-mans go, just cage launching people around and phoenix doing just incredible just flying and diving um yeah that was that was a match that that that, that it that kind of warms my heart for this current very very indie tna yeah i, I, I like it though because you've got these crazy midwestern guys against these crazy mexican guys and brian cage <laughs> and then you've got you know the lax feud with the civil war <laughs> after the ceasefire oh, like God. i say why well, i love this current incarnation of tna it's like watching Oz. 
Like, yeah. TNA is the new Oz. Impact is the new Oz. You know, <laughs> do you remember the feuds in Oz when, like, Adabisi yeah. and um, Kareem Saeed would, would get it on? And then you had, like, Ryan O'Reilly as the uh, sort of white guy in there with the Irish guys and all the rest of it. And, oh, it's just all... And the Latinos as well and the Aryan Brotherhood. This is what Impact is now. It's like they've looked at the Oz model and gone, right... Let's just copy this. Have all these little teams, and they can just be a bit mad and feud with each other. Great. <laughs> that was that was for me. That was the highlight of the show. It was like you say, very the, the, just the video package they did for LAX and the OGs, where so, it was hitting all those high spots. It was very Oz like, you know, the the street fight on an actual street, the oh. the death of Richie reliving that, the the mob bosses sit down. Yeah. yeah. Eddie Kingston lighting masks on fire. Yeah. It is like a it's like a, a HBO drama at times and yeah the, oh, the match we, itself as well was crazy oh yeah like oh. you know, the little cutaways in Oz where it'd be like prisoners da, 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 was arrested on the, the cutaways to the video <laughs> reminded me of those bits from Oz as well like I don't know if any listeners out there who've never seen Oz know what it is but it's the first ever original HBO drama so prison drama mm. made in 1997 recommend you check it out it's going to be on channel 4 at like 1 in the morning pretty much every night yeah lots of oh. rape lots of murder lots of horrible stuff in there mm. got worse it as is. it went on but a cracking show at the end of the day but yeah those video packages for LAX then that entrance as well oh, oh it was so the good the opening to the pay-per-view with LAX walking around New York. Oh, that was great. Their city repping. I was like, oh, this is so good. <laughs> Those packages of LAX, uh, my favourite packages are sort of the Walter, Os- Walter Devlin package this year, I think. Like, oh, they wow. were so, so good. That's high praise. What did you make of it, JP? What did you make of the match with the... Uh... The exposed ring boards idea oh. was a good idea in principle, but my God, those things were sliding around. I, was, oh. I think it added the level of danger, though, to the match that kind of fit, you know, what Joe's just talking about there with all yeah. the, the the gangland story stuff. You felt like someone was going to fall to the death through the ring at any moment, but they definitely gutted through with some horrible bumps and some really scary dives running along those boards. They did. Um I found myself watching the first few minutes of this match, not watching them wrestle, watch the referee try to get the boards into the right place. He was the MVP of the match. He really was. Like, he did a really great job. Um, It was terrifying. Like you say, he did at at real danger. When I watched it, I thought someone's getting really hurt here because I didn't have any spoilers or anything else. I was like, oh, God, this could be really horrible. And somehow they got away with it. Mm. And... Normally, the match by itself in isolation, I'd be like really kind of down on it. But because of these video packages, because of that like, wild entrance for them doing the huddle before LAX came out, <laughs> I was just, I'm, I'm completely invested as them in them. Mm. I mean, in some ways, they should just be the top act in the in in the company. Just start promoting the tag belts as the belts to really get. Like, I mean, I think. There, there's there, there's always been something there with the name and the kind of the way that they've set it up at certain points, but this incarnation of it, I mean, even the opening package to Bound for Glory, sort of focusing on them, that guy's squirt, like the kind of squint he does in his face, mm. it's it's just all it kind of terrible, but oh, kind right. of amazing. It's no, it's it's brilliant in that I kind of look at the kind of yeah, in the guilty pleasure type. Yeah. there's something else on the show that's all obviously pre-taped and is absolutely shite 
Yeah. It, like by yeah. comparison with the, the LAX. Well, we went on. from the ceasefire in LAX and, you know, <laughs> oh. it all kicking off to this absolute shite, which is what everything I hate about wrestling, with this James Mitchell, Sue Young, <laughs> whoever else it was, rubbish that was oh, on pre-tape. <laughs> Supernatural shit in wrestling. I just don't get it. Mm. It's the worst shit. Who likes this stuff? Like Honestly, who likes this shit? This is the, oh, your mum walks in and sees you watching this and thinks, my son's fucking weird for watching wrestling. <laughs> like... Yeah, just stop doing this shit. It's not entertaining. It's crap. It's always been crap. People who thought Bray Wyatt was like the next big thing five years ago, I remember saying, no, he's shite. He's not going to go anywhere. It's going to tail off. They're going to get bored and they're going to fuck him up. Mm. Oh, no, but he's so so innovative. Like, yeah, to some extent he was, but at the same time, his shit was embarrassing. Like, mm. I remember my, I got my girlfriend, I was watching a bit of wrestling. What's going on with this swamp family? Why are these people from the swamps? <laughs> like, one second there's like Daniel Bryan. Oh, I love this bloke. He's great. Oh, she could relate to him, got into him. Oh, why is he in a swamp family now? Why is he wearing this stupid outfit? Yeah, why the fuck is he wearing this stupid outfit? And why are these people from the fucking swamp? Sorry, it's got me going this. <laughs> Shite. Yeah. James he can fuck off <laughs> the minister like I don't know I, don't I liked know. him in ECW I liked him with Tajiri and uh, Mikey Whitrack were you not a fan? Uh, I was never really into ECW to be honest with you but uh, JP probably was yeah it was latter end ECW but he was in terms of from a promo he had it I mean that my whole thing on this show was tonally it's all over the shop yeah it was the good and the bad of TNA, wasn't it? Slash Impact. It really, it really is. And I think I saw you make a comment about how it feels like they're, they're having their panic. Oh, I mean, they're, panic. they're annual panic, yeah. That, well, that makes us all regret the fact that we're telling all our friends, you go out and we'll, we were, we were going to do a full review on this pay-per-view, weren't we? Time got in the yeah. way. But it makes you regret telling everyone, oh, you should, you should be watching Impact. It's got good again. I can feel they're slipping into panic mode already with the ratings being yeah. down, but... I mean, half the shows have been from Mexico with barely anything going. Like, the build to Bound for Glory was so bad. Like, the last three weeks of go-home shows were in full, in front of Mexican crowds that didn't seem that interested in the wrestlers. Um, it's just, it's no wonder the ratings are down, but yeah, the, 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 the full in panic mode now, aren't they? And it was obvious from watching the show. Their comfort blanket is a worked shoe. Yes. It's like when it, when in doubt. When you're in absolute panic mode, we're going to go to a work shoot. And it's just like, and, and it's just like the ghost of Russo just still lingers all over this product at points. And you just put your head in your hands and go, and this is what drive, this is what drove loads of people away to begin with in the first place. Because at the beginning, when that first match really enjoyed it, you know, it was, there was some hit and miss. The Ellsworth stuff was shocking. But like you say, the, the, when you talked about the, the six-man tag mm-hmm. and the um, concrete jungle match, I, you know, I enjoyed those for what they were. But then when I saw the finish in the main, I was like, oh, for fuck's sake, we're going back to this. <laughs> it was kind of like, I mean, this is the Aries and Morrison, isn't it? And yeah. I think they, they got me at the start of the match. They were doing a lot of, like for me, so- yeah, they were doing like chain wrestling, but it was like angry train, re- like stiff, uncooperative chain wrestling. Like everyone always says, you can't do chain wrestling in a blood feud. And I was like, actually, the first five minutes of this match proved that you can. And if anything, it was the when they were hitting the the actual spots. Like there was a Spanish fly that really took me out of it. I think that hurt the match more than anything because I kind of enjoyed the hard nosed 
realism of it. I I enjoyed the Ares promos going in. But yeah, when you're going to do Russo stuff like Ares getting up and walking off after taking the pinfall, which completely... T- I mean, I don't know if you, your mileage varies, Joe. I, I'm totally going with work on it. I don't believe anyone who's saying it's a shoot. Um, but yeah, that that's just when you lose me, really. And that's when, yeah, it's the it's the bad TNA. Do you know what? I'm not interested in whether it's a shoot or not. <laughs> it's like, just bad. I, I saw it and was like, yeah, that was weird. And then <laughs> I've, I've heard talk on it and I've, whatever. I'm not... <laughs> that interested i'm more interested in uh moose doing a nigerian <laughs> kind of gimmick thing the and state of out, him but then coming out for his match as like the reincarnation of the godfather with these three women accompanying him and looking like sort of money moose and that, that was a great juxtaposition i gotta say the more moose the better <laughs> i think they're words you can take to the bank uh yeah they're, they're all about russo get people talking bro stuff but all you really need there yeah, is it is moose. moose moose will bring the people in um he's got that quality <laughs> about him i think i think it could work yeah that's what they, instead of throwing all that money i think they're trying to get it like i say they were doing the mexican thing they brought in the, the fake la yeah. parker who the fans were all chanting la parker and the production crew actually thought that they were chanting for La Parker and were, were showing the chance of the crowd that was really embarrassing but they're bringing in a lot of those kind of guys they're bringing in supposedly Alberto El Patron again which is like the kiss of fuck death for it, my no. interest in impact fuck that I won't be fuck watching that, that strap the rocket to Moose that's the way forward oh abs- money Moose it'll take you to the bank yeah <laughs> that's it uh, any other thoughts on that or uh, anything else um off topic that uh, that you've been watching before we get into the other Brit rest of. Uh, finished second series of Glow. No, so now it's loosely related to wrestling. Well, yeah, you that's... being the spotlight women's wrestling correspondent, I suppose it fits your remit. I can't believe it took him so long, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, that's true. You're that's slacking. true. Yeah, I was uh, entire series in like a day. It was it was insane. Very very good. Not actually that much in the way of wrestling in it. Um, as much as more about gender and racial politics in the 1980s. Interesting. Yeah. Good subject. But we're not doing a podcast on gender we'll and do... racial politics in the 1980s, so <laughs> it, it doesn't really a whole lot necessarily to add to it. <laughs> <laughs> it's very good. Watch it. Fair enough. The uh, JP's <laughs> Politics Corner coming soon to, uh, to oh, a theme near you. You and David Starr. Yeah, I reckon we could do that. Yeah, I reckon you could as well. We just ran about American politics and I've done with it. I'd listen. <laughs> There's money in it. Um, so is there any, any other notes? I mean, one thing I, I was, wanted to just talk about quickly, I, I noticed in the... Uh, getting into European wrestling, there was a bit of a news note in the Observer. I'm not sure if you, if you saw it with the Meltzer saying there's a bit of a, a rumour of NXT Germany becoming a thing and that's the... you know. Uh-huh. We were talking about WXW and then being quite tight-lipped at the media centre when we were in Oberhausen about what was happening with the WWE relationship. Meltzer's pretty much outlined saying that all that manoeuvring is with an end goal of NXT Germany. Uh, I tell you what, they're going a long way to try and get Walter in, aren't they? (laughs) Well, let's hope New Japan get there first. That's all I'll say. And with uh, Walter's recent run as well, let's just hope New Japan think, yep, we didn't get Matt Riddle. We need a replacement for maybe the spot Matt Riddle was going to take. This Walter guy is the one we want. Let's hope that happens. Hasn't he publicly said that he wants to work in New Japan? Yeah, I've seen him say little things about his... Yeah, like Q&As cool. with fans, that type of yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. And he's clearly a bigger fan of the style as well. And 
you know, he takes influence from this style. He could be the new Vader. I was going to say, I mean, that's one of the things with, with him is he feels very much like a latter-day Vader from the late 80s. Uh, you know, the, the, the new Japan slash He'd be an upgrade Japan. on Bad Luck Farley if he went in. Yeah. There. Imagine the matches. I mean, think of the matches Tanahashi's got a Farley before. Imagine Walter Tanahashi. Yeah. Like, dream match right there. Mm. Just Walter in the G1 in general. Don't even care which block he's in or who he's facing. That's the dream, isn't it? Hopefully that's something he sticks to his guns with. Uh, and maybe, yeah, this NXT Germany is just a real long game to get him on. Because that would put him in a weird position, wouldn't it, if he stayed on the outside and then WXWR involved, like like Progress are involved with WWE. I don't even don't even know what that looks like, um, just based on being out there, JP. Just, I don't know how you do it, and, and uh, WXW remains what it is. Exactly. I mean, would it? Is it essentially you're you're kind of purchasing the academy mm. and running WXW as a separate entity, which might make sense of the kind of the separation of the two companies and the, the public statement they gave. But what worries me about it is it's not like they've got a track record of using whatever, um, you know, let's say uh, the former Axel Dieter Junior not being used at all, and I don't see how they they won't get. I imagine some of the WXW talent. I, it, it feels like this is just part of the stockpiling measure. There's no way of looking at it really, other than it, it, it could be good for the wrestlers and could be good for WXW in a kind of financial sense. But ultimately, this doesn't feel like it's going to result in a positive. Mm. Um, yeah, it, it, it worries me when you see things like this because. You know, Joe mentioned something on the last show that we did about NXT UK being born out of cynicism. Feels like this is being born out of cynicism. It's about stockpiling talent and stopping them going to places which would make them better wrestlers, mm. and then in the long term, much more viable assets for them to go and get. Well, I feel like it's like sort of creating a monopoly as well to some extent, yeah. doesn't it? And having your stamp in anywhere that there's a wrestling scene in the world. It already is a monopoly, really. Well, it? yeah, but you think about where there have been scenes that have sprung from the last few years. Yep. UK, Germany, you know, I suppose you can throw Ireland in there as well. Yeah. There's been talk of them opening or having some deal with Noah, hasn't there before as yeah. well? So Japan, like, you know, I can't see anything ever flying in Mexico, mm. but it just feels to me like it's all about monopolizing where there is some form of a scene, really. Mm. And again, absolute cynicism. It's really quite sad, to be honest. And I don't know what to think of that NXT Germany because. Well, WXW feels like it's so ingrained. Well, it feels like it is German wrestling culture at this point in time, doesn't mm. it? And that's something I wouldn't want to be affected and go away because it is so good. And if WWE are going to be responsible for, you know, kind of killing our love and interest in progress, and then they go and kill uh, love and interest in WXW as well, then this company are doing more damage um, for fans, and they are good, if you ask me. Um, and I know that's quite a sweeping statement because indie wrestling is obviously appealing to a niche and WWE appeals to a much more mainstream audience, so mm. numbers may play a part there. But when they're trying to kill niches within wrestling, it really is quite tragic and quite dickish, to be honest. So mm. they can fuck off. <laughs> I think that pretty much sums it up, yeah. Um, I, I see it more as a... I could see it being an NXT Europe rather than NXT Germany and maybe being like a central base or something like that. But 
Either way, yeah, I can't look at it in any other way than, than that, really, and just feel pessimistic and uh, and worried about what it might be. Um, but yeah, I guess we'll we'll see as uh, as news notes do come out. Um, you meant we were talking about Walter there. Uh, do we want to talk the uh, his match uh, with Osprey from from OTT? I mean, I think we've all seen it at this point, and Osprey kind of played that stuff into it, didn't he? He was kind of in the in another amazing video package he was playing up the the idea of that you know walter just wants that he was disappointed in devlin for signing uh i think he called it a subcontract with wwe um, yeah and he and he was you know worried that walter just was using the belt as a bargaining chip with wwe i enjoyed all that uh that, that connection to reality it really kind of speaks to to what's going on at the moment another uh incredible uh video package there for ott was it the same crooked? Is it crooked gentleman? Did yeah. he do it again? I'm assuming because it looked like it had his fingerprints all yeah. over it. Mm. Yeah, I thought it was great. Um, really weird seeing NXT, WWE, and New Japan footage all in the same package. Yeah, mm. there would be footage in a, in a package as well where WWE outright being slagged off by Osprey. Yeah, it was bizarre. Like it was great. But it was weird. Mm. Um, the one thing that took me out of it a little bit, and Will Ospreay's comments on Devlin, I was like, God, I think I've said that on air before. Perhaps Will Ospreay. Listen. <laughs> He's a listener. <laughs> I hope so. He's Hello, a former Will. guest on, uh, as far as interviews go. He's been on the feed before. Uh, yeah, there you go. So maybe he's thinking, yeah, keep listening to that indie corner. Cheers, Will. Um, <laughs> the one thing that did take me out of it, though, is when he was sat in his Spider-Man suit in his conservative. <laughs> I could see his bins. Like, I, could oh, could you? I didn't spot that. I was like, oh, there's the blue recycling lid. There's the green one. <laughs> general waste. Like, this, is, this is why we've got you, Joe. It's like the Tyler Bate video all over again. Like, I was thinking, like, do the blinds. Like, if he just <laughs> crooked gentleman, I sent it back and said, Will, really sorry, man. I don't know what your schedule is like, but could you just do the blinds a little bit and maybe do that again? Fucking hell. I don't want to see his fucking bins outside. Like, oh, I didn't notice. Oh, go back and watch it. All I could <laughs> see was. Do now. Once I'd seen him, I was like, oh, blue recycling top there. And I would just <laughs> imagine Will Ospreay's dad, like, trudging out the back with his recycling for the for the month or the, the fortnight or whatever. But, yeah, let's – I do digress there. This was a fucking awesome video package, which led to an amazing match once again. Mm, yeah, definitely. I think I think nobody's doing – videos better than than the crooked gentleman lot right now they're kind of creating a a new standard for what promo packages are supposed to be in wrestling because they just lay those stories out so well and the match would have been great regardless i mean i loved walter and osprey when i got to see it at defiant as well and that was almost like a a test run for this like the i assume they've been maybe in, have they been in tags before osprey and walter i assume they I don't know whether they'd had, you know, contact before, but it, I think it almost felt like, yeah, the Defiant was just a little... It was a great match in its own right, but it was just a way of, I don't know, getting getting used to each other and building upon it for this match, which felt completely different as well. Um, but yeah, just something about the the presentation of it, both with the video, both with the crowd, um, where now it just feels like every time Walter's going to defend this belt on OTT shows, that are going to be the fans are going to be desperately just wanting him to lose. He's become like a real heel in OTT, hasn't it? There's, there was a point in the match where Osprey kind of Osprey got his foot on the bottom rope, didn't he? And there were people jumping out the seat in the in the first yeah. row to grab onto his foot and make sure the referee. I mean, if that that's like. I mean, it, the old work is the new work, and 
wrestling is you know it's hard to make people believe but in those little moments in these big main events now in ott i think there's something about this walter run and something about what ott are doing creatively that's that's making people believe i think what they've what they've managed to do is something that the other organizations haven't managed to do and it's not really a slight on them but because of the devlin match they've they've managed to create this absolute killer monster heel Mm. which Walter has been before, but not obviously with the reputation and name he has now. So it really means something to see him being defeated because of the standard effectively as the kind of, I don't know, the, the world's, would say the world's hottest indie wrestler. Um, you know, th- this is the guy who's the champion du jour who, you know, the company's going to bring him and want him to have, have him win that main title. And because they've got that dynamic right and the audience are responding to it. I think he's enjoying it more because mm. it's adding an element of dynamism to all of his matches. So you're getting these these great matches as well. But the heat is organic. It's come from the fact that this is the guy who who beat their hometown hero. Which if you had that in a boxing storyline where you had, you know, a boxer winning in Ireland, you know, defeating a world champion in Ireland, and then coming back over to Ireland to kind of face the next challenger, the idea of the crowd kind of turning on it, it's, it's the same dynamic here. And it's, oh, I have to say, it wasn't the same dynamic of what they had with the Devlin-Walter match in terms of how the actual match was laid out. It, 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 felt, it felt different from that, and it really benefited from that as well. So he didn't, even though there's obvious comparisons you can make with the WrestleRama main event, this had so much to it. I mean, guys, thoughts? Uh, I thought the presentation um, of these matches has been different level as well. Mm. Using that video package to make the match seem important, number one, sort of works. But then even like the entrances felt big time as well. It just creates a big atmosphere mm. in the room. Like you feel like you're watching something big. You feel like you're watching something important. And I think that's something OTT have done an amazing job of the last couple of years, really. Really, since the Devlin kind of run to the title yeah. really begun. And then, I don't know, you look at the way that they've laid out the storyline as well. I do think the way that... I didn't Devlin not use a, lose a match in Ireland for all in... Um, Dublin, I think, like two mm. years or something. Yeah. But then when they have him lose, he loses to Walter and he loses when he's fucking around with David Starr and doing jokes in a tag match. Did you, I don't know if either of you guys saw that. Oh, match, yeah, yeah. It was the one with mm. Walter and Loki and they had those T-shirts with David Starr and Devlin smiling at each other and all the rest of it. And it felt like it was just a way to sell T-shirts for a night. But actually, it was a really smart setup into a storyline to get Walter over more and to get Devlin, you know, taking his character more seriously going in. And it's, they've just turned Walter into this absolute killer. And, yeah, mm. I think each month people will be anticipating the Walter title match until we get back to Devlin mm. and Devlin potentially, you know, um, dethroning Walter again at some point, which would be a huge moment when it eventually happens. That's something I'd love to be there for, if possible, as well. So, yeah, I think they've got a really great dynamic. I think OTT as a company this year have been, what I've seen of them, they've been on fire. Mm, definitely, yeah. And it's matches like this. It's, it's, they've, they've, I think they've captured something in that they have, I think it's, it's the fan base as part of it, just the atmosphere that the crowd's going to bring as well. But it's because the, the product is so good and because they're, delivering you know there's there are undercard matches with you know 
younger Irish talent that they're, they're doing a good job of getting behind. There's a lot of variety on the shows. You know, you'll get your your comedy as well. You know, uh, Justy being back and things like that. You get a bit, you get a variety show with OTT as well. But they're delivering these kind of main events that are, uh, seem to be the talk of wrestling right now. That Walter Devlin match got absolutely everywhere. And I imagine this match, I don't know if they're, they're going to they're gonna want to put another freebie out, but this is another one that I could just imagine getting everywhere as well. That, the image of Walter coming off the top rope at the end of the match for, for the big splash at the end, and you're kind of oh. thinking, what else can... What, else, what, what, what could you possibly do to beat Walter when he's going to kick out of being powerbombed by Will Ospreay? Another great spot. They did a really good job of oh. turning your expectations on, on your head in this match. But then, yeah, winning in a matter like this, they've like we like we keep saying they've built up this this real big bad um some of the war imagery is a little bit uh confusing uh was it korea they were they were painting him yeah. as, as being from in the intro video but they presented like yeah they, he's almost like a m bison level final boss at ott um and i think it, it's like the cherry on top to all the good things that you know you both just said and we've all been saying about ott for these last couple of years they've now got these like world-class main events and a, and a world-class champion the way they're called as well one thing i think should that shouldn't go forgotten on this is the commentary mm-hmm. and yeah. how good the commentary is and the commentary is serious there's an approach that gets walter over more as this threat as well little things like talking about the rules and how headbutts are legal in under ott rules and all the rest of it but they're not mm-hmm. in the ufc and it's like little things like that had such an important dynamic to the match it's like Jim Cornette's idea of a wet dream here, isn't it? And <laughs> probably in front of the crowd and, you know, on a show where he probably wouldn't have enjoyed a lot of it, you get this really serious main event. Like, I think as a variety show, OTT have really been able to deliver up and down the card, if anything. Mm. And the important match comes at the end of the night. Um, yeah, the match itself, it's, it's a weird one because I was actually thinking, of the Walter main events I've seen recently... This might be my third favourite, but I still like absolutely loved it. Mm. But that's a testament to how much I loved the progress match with Taylor Bay, the match with Jordan Devlin as well. They've Dude. all just been different level this year. Did the over-creativity hurt a little bit for you? I kind of, you know, doing the false finish, that kind of for me. I don't know. I don't know whether it, whether it needed that, you know, the whole business of osprey threatening to use the belt and then not using it i almost felt like it had enough drama I'm, I'm still talking about it as i think it's because like you just said there the competition for big walter matches is so high that mm. you know even a match that's you know slightly worse than that maybe stands out yeah i, I don't think it was it, it's going to be in my, my match of the year contention maybe is it is that partly part of it you know some of the maybe the over creativeness in the match because the actual athletic exchanges between the two were first class I, I don't know whether or not it's the over-creativity, but I can completely see what you mean. Um, I think the thing that, that the Devlin match had, obviously, is that kind of real... It, it had the the real um, deep emotion to it, yeah. whereas this one didn't. I mean, I, I don't think he... he but then it, it, there's no way it could have done. That dynamic is, was unique mm. for, sort of Devler, for Devlin and Walter. It Really, when we're talking about, you know, Walter matches for this year... We're getting really deep into the weeds about yeah. what what is actually better. I mean, it's just this body of work that's being oh, created that is phenomenal. And the same thing with Osprey. And yeah. you know, they're, they're creating like this year where you're thinking these these are the guys who 
you know you should be basing your companies around I'm, I'm, the fact that Osprey now is that the move to heavyweight seems like it's complete I mean I'm hoping that this is really 2019 is the year that he gets the rocket strapped to him yeah. I think in terms of rest at the moment um, in terms of tiers like the best matches in the world for me are with New Japan uh, main event talent but then the tier just under Walter main events. <laughs> yeah, it's like that yeah. for me. That's the one and two right now. You, you know, your matches with your Omegas, your Okadas, Tanahashi's, Abushis, etc. Ishi, I should throw in there as well. And then just under that are these Walter main events, which seem to be delivering at that really high level. Mm. But they're that level just below those absolutely like all-time great New Japan main events. If that makes sense. No, definitely. That's it. I'd say they're. I think Osprey's again there too, isn't he? In that world class kind of elite, oh, just uh, yeah. below the New Japan main eventer kind of category. But certainly, for my money, the two best wrestlers in Europe. Where did where does OTT kind of rank for you guys? I know it's it's not the year end show yet, but where does it rank in terms of, I suppose, European promotions of promotion of the year? Because this is obviously a really good argument. It'd be number one in terms of this the level of growth they've had this year and the level of quality they're putting out. Uh, it'd be unfair of me to say in many ways, I think, mm. because I've only really followed their main events. Yeah. And I've watched bits and pieces and cherry-picked bits on shows I have watched. Um, so I don't know that much about the guys in the undercard. Mm. That's, so I feel it's unfair for you to say that. In terms of main event wrestling and getting people invested in big main events, uh, it's up there. Then yeah. WXW are presenting the best main events and the best stories in mm. Europe right now, I think. Mm. Yeah, they're the two promotions for me, probably presenting the best arguments um, for European promotion of the year. Um, maybe Rev Pro there. Maybe you could say Progress on a on a business argument just because of Wembley. Yeah. I don't know about that. Um, yeah, it's certainly worthy of consideration. I think yeah, the job they've done this year in in making these big shows much wash, as I said before, developing younger talent. You know, you like to see Scotty Davises and people like that that they're, they're doing a great job with as well, and just making every card top to bottom feel important. Yeah, I think you, you make a good argument there, JP. They're definitely definitely someone I'm going to be thinking of. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, I watched, uh, I managed to w- watch all of all of this show, which I really enjoyed. I'm also looking forward to hopefully seeing the the Defiant Contender show as well, because I heard there was a massive reaction to the um, uh, to the women's title match with Sammy Jane and, and Raven Creed, who is a younger wrestler who was travelling up from Cork, and I was hearing stories about her. Having, you know, it's a couple of hour drive, and she was going up there like three, four times a week to to train. And she was involved in the gender-neutral match with someone we've heard loads about. LJ Cleary was involved. There was a match on that. Did you see the tag match with More Than Hype and Kings of the North as well? Yeah, I, I watched that. Because I, I sort of just it, there's, there's a real atmosphere being created around the town. It's not like, obviously, the greatest match in the world. But like you were saying earlier on, Ben, mm. I think the, the fact that these undercards are really well put together and the new Japan stuff doesn't detract from overall OTT storylines and they're not complicating it with having, I don't know, um, let's say go, if it was Goto versus Guinness rather than Goto Guinness being in a tag against Kojima and May, the fact that they're able to kind of almost remove them from the OTT storylines. Like I said, they've got the comedy stuff with the angel cruisers and their wacky videos. Mm. There's, 
there's a I find myself being really drawn into wanting to watch a load more OTT and definitely go over. Uh, the comedy stuff did nothing for me. I no? tr- uh, me and my brother were watching that bit, and I was like, run through this shit. Nah. It didn't grab me at all. I enjoyed it, as silly as it was. Yeah. Weirdly, I couldn't watch that Sue Young Alley thing. It was atrocious, but this seemed to be done completely kind of to be as daft as possible. Maybe it just reminds me of Irish comedies. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I was a Father Ted fan, you see. You sort that out, mate. No, nah, I've tried to watch it several times. I don't get it. Oh, it's I've, I've never been a fan, got to be honest, uh, while we're talking about so serious subjects. But you grew up in an Irish family, I Yeah, know. it's bloody awesome, Father Ted. Yeah, but I you don't like only fools and horses after season five, so, you know, <laughs> that's true. Think yeah, of all the goodwill we just got from the Irish fans for, for praising OTT for 20 minutes, and we've I think we've just killed it, Joe. I think we're going to be wanted men here for, <laughs> for not being fans of Father Ted. I just, I've never really watched it, that's, that's my defense. Um, mm. it, it felt a little bit before my time, I don't know. Was it I, I the IT crowd the same writer? Graham Lyon? Graham Lennon. I can't, I don't like the IT crowd yeah. either. No, yeah. me neither, no, no. Uh, no. Yeah, those types what? of comedies aren't my thing. Graham Lennon's finest moment is his appearance in I'm Alan Partridge, if you ask me. But... <laughs> one, final, one final thing about OTT is there is an issue about the venue that they're going to be based at. Um, that there is a problem with the National Stadium and how much they can book that. And it's it's kind of an Irish sporting problem that there isn't venues that are sort of fit for purpose and that are available. And that might be one of the things that starts to become difficult because where they've been based with the Tivoli and the National Stadium is quite close to the centre of town. And there's obvious benefits for it, but, you know, you don't end up booking venues on suburbs because that might be a bit trickier. What's the issue with the National Stadium? Yeah. Um, it's a boxing stadium. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, yeah. a lot of the time it's just not available on the nights they want it. Because there might be uh, amateur boxing nights. The Rovro York Hall problem, isn't it? Yeah, 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 yeah it is. Yeah. It's 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 that issue, but it's used a lot more for that, I think. Well, and I suppose if Rev Pro and OTT are booking the same New Japan talents yeah. for a weekend, York Hall and yeah. the stadium or the Tivoli, I suppose, all have to match up on well, the it, same weekend. Don't it would they? be the Shore Road, the one where they held the WrestleRama. Because I, I don't know if they've, they've had the final Tivoli show now, I think. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> nice little um, segue into Father Ted, venue issues. I mean, we'll definitely be talking about venue issues a little bit later on. I mean, before we do get to our two kind of main topics, both very much, pretty much geared around RevPro. Anything else you guys want to talk about this week? Uh, excited for IPW UK doing WrestleMania weekend? Uh, any other oh, news uh, catch your eye? Oh, that's the biggest like. <laughs> I was fishing yeah. there, Joe. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> like trip I've ever heard of. They're running a show in Jamaica, Queens. <laughs> I've been to Jamaica, Queens. I'm not scared easily. I'm not like scared by I don't know rough areas and big cities. I've been to enough of them. Jamaica, Queens is <laughs> the most violent, rough place I've been in my life. I experienced a bloody gang fight between two gangs when I was there, and got locked into a <laughs> shop and detained for like ten minutes. Well, these two gangs fought it out. It was like proper <laughs> LAX sort of stuff. It was absolutely brutal. Um, so I don't know if IPW are going there to get their asses kicked or what, but. It's a strange place to run a show for <laughs> WrestleMania weekend is Jamaica Queens. PW UK presents Tuesday Night Graps Gang Wars. That's the plan. I'd be more after that 50 Cent as a run-in or something, I tell you. <laughs> it is kind of, it really is like WrestleMania hitting its just, there's, too, there's already too many, we've talked on our last show, didn't we, yeah. about progress and for me, I mean, I, I, 
I think I'm with you, Joe, in progress that I think that it's kind of excuses why they're not going. I think the real reason they're not going is they're going to be busy doing WWE stuff. Um, but also, if I was running progress, I don't think I'd go out to Mania weekend anymore. I don't think it's worth the money. I just don't think... I think it's it's an overcrowded market. And I think a company like IPW UK thinking they can go out there. Like like Defiant did a couple of years ago when they were what culture and yep. they had... They have Jim Cornette and Jim Ross doing the commentary and just spending loads of money. Yeah. And I was thinking, yeah. what are you doing? And IPW is the same. I mean, what even is IPW UK? I mean, if they said, "Oh, we're going to get out, go out there and do a legitimate IPW card," I don't, I don't even know what that would be. Um, <laughs> the people who run it just out on the hot. I wonder if the people who run it are just on the holidays or something and thinking, "Ah, we can, we could throw a wrestling show on as well." Yeah, they're clearly off to WrestleMania for the weekend. For uh, we could do a show to justify this. Put on the business expenses, possibly. I don't know. Mm. But, yeah, it wouldn't surprise me. Also, Jamaica, Queens. I don't know if you're going back to it. Just <laughs> far out. Like, it's nowhere. I don't know what they're doing. It's awkward, out there. very awkward to get to. It's right at the end of one of the um, tr- uh, train lines. Okay. It's essentially like running a show in, like, I don't know, Epping or... Hillingdon, like think of the end of a tube line. Yeah, 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 yeah. So like central line, Epping, isn't it? Or yeah. Hillingdon, oh, I can't think of what line I, Hillingdon's. I'll have but you know, like, Wikipedia describes it as a middle class neighbourhood, so you know it could be on the upture. It was well. This was almost ten years ago that I experienced that, and uh, you know, perhaps um, social mobility has occurred in Jamaica Queens during that time, but. Jesus, the last time, I, you know, I was there a year and a bit ago as well, and it still was proper rough and ready then as well, I've got to say. So perhaps IPW UK are going to bring that, you know, social mobility and that middle class element to proceedings, possibly. So, <laughs> do, you, do you think, though, I mean, are they going because they're assuming they're going to have access to lots of talent who are going to be running around for the weekend, getting as many bookings as they can? So they figure they can put together a card that they normally wouldn't be putting on in the UK. I'm not saying this is a justification for doing it, but like that might be in their thought process. Just, some... just assuming they can get people and go, oh, we could get, I don't know, Joey Janela to turn up. To he's IP. injured, mate. Well, if he's, is he still being injured? Yeah, he's yeah, yeah. still be out by then. That's the thing, everyone's wrapped up, aren't they? It's, that's the, you know, you can't use the... It depends who you can use. You know, Evolver usually pretty exclusive about, you know, gamers exclusive about mm-hmm. his guys. RevPro had that problem last year. I just don't see the argument, yeah, for them to to be venturing out to this apparent crime-ridden neighbourhood. Perhaps they'll get the Noah guys in, they've got some deal with Noah, haven't they, at the moment? Apparently. Yeah, they're selling so... Noah merch. <laughs> there you go. They could just become Noah UK. Exactly your thinking. Straight away. <laughs> I'll be buying it. And he asked, yes. yes and, and then getting stripped down and getting it all robbed in Jamaica, Queens. Yeah, I know exactly. your future, JP. And I'll be... Yeah, I won't go into that. It's still pretty... <laughs> memories but, <laughs> but if they could get a marafuji in or a cigar or someone for the weekend maybe that might attract a few people yeah, i don't know they're just a company that in terms of an identity what, what is what are they why would know? anyone pay for the ip i mean we're deep diving now on ipw uk why would anyone pay for the ipw uk name why does this promotion exist why would you not just start your own promotion with your own name why would you not like rebrand one PW or something? I, I really don't understand why the promotion exists. It just it makes no sense to me, and this is perplexing on top. Yeah, agreed. And it's a shit name. Mm-hmm. Let's be honest, it's a proper shit name. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, there is. A, there's actually a book out about it, about the kind of rise and fall of the previous IPW. Oh right. Um, we were, we were talking about it before, and, and good read. I haven't read it. 
I haven't read it. It's like twenty quid on Amazon. No, unless it's like an ebook. It's not you before. I'm not that interested in, in IPW. <laughs> I don't need to know. Just wait for the Andy Quilden podcast. That'll do. I, like as an ebook, yeah, I'd be kind of more info, but that's just me being a tight bastard for it. <laughs> yeah, it's it's funny. I mean, we went to a show in Milton Keynes that they ran like it was quite a while ago, and it was perfectly fun. There was some entertaining stuff on there, but it was being devised as a TV product, mm. but. It didn't really feel like there was TV product stuff. There was Austin Aries was on the show, eating a banana and oh, selling and his doing book. commentary, wasn't he? He was yeah. doing commentary yeah. at one point. It was yeah. There was like there was their Chris Ridgeway attacked at the beginning in an angle and then never used throughout. So there was lots of vibes about. I'm not really sure what's going on here. Mm. I, um, yeah, they're just weird, aren't they? Because I went to Tuesday Night Graps in Manchester and I had a great time. I enjoyed the show. It, I mean, it, other than, I think IPW UK was on the ring apron, but it wasn't an IPW show. It was a Chris Brooks and his mates fucking around with um, inflatable show. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. There's nothing IPW in that branding. Um, it's just such an odd setup. Perhaps they're going to do that sort of show maybe in Jamaica, Queens. Mm, like a, Perhaps like they've a got Brooks. Janella. Well, Janella's yeah. got a show. Joey, Joey Ryan's doing a, a Janella um, impression show. We've got Bloodsport's coming back as well. He's kind of... These kind oh. of shows are all the rage, aren't they? Who's running Bloodsport this year if Matt Riddle's not around? Um, oh, what's his name? Uh, the MMA guy uh, who does the commentary on Access with Jim Ross. Josh, uh, Josh Barnett. Josh Barnett. Yeah. 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 He, he, yeah. I think he had an idea for a promotion like this and he's just doing it as a one-off. It could work, I think. Bring in the right people. Bring in what, your Walters, your Thatcher, your Suzuki's again. Uh, as watching other Bloodsport. Oh. Going to pay off that Jay White confrontation, maybe. <laughs> maybe, yeah, in a shoot fight. <laughs> that could work. Bring back Loki as well, you know, get, get, a, get the revenge oh. for uh, last year's blood sport and a missing else. I'd pay to watch that. As one final thing on Mania Weekend, you know, I'll be all over that Mania Weekend next year. You're not going? I don't know at the moment. It depends on, on price and, and the rest of it. But Nick Gage will be there. Oh, there you He'll go. be all right, over. GCW are running loads of shows in Jersey City, I think. Yeah. yeah. What if they give him a themed show? Oh, I'd be up for that. <laughs> that would be more Oz. Oz cross with wrestling. It again. really oh, is. Yeah. Knife I'll fights be... with Nick Gage. I'd pay for that. Oh, yeah. I'd be well up for that. I'd Get Nick Gage into TNA. Get him into impact. Why not at this point? Yeah. <laughs> if you're going to throw shit against the wall, throw Nick Gage against the wall and yeah. see if that's next. He runs that training school with Homicide. That could be the end, the compound school, you know. Oh, know. yeah. <laughs> God, terrifies be a trainee under him, wouldn't you? Either of them, to be honest. Uh, but yeah, we've gone way off the rails. Uh, we any, anything else before we get to our, our two main uh, subjects today? No. Well, Let's get on to them. Awesome. Yeah, I mean, our two main subjects, they kind of tie in together. That's why we've kept them together. Uh, Revro finally launched their their TV show. I say finally, it's not quite the finally of NXT UK. Also launching their network show. Weird that, isn't it? Two days before RevPro. How strange. How very, how very WWE. Uh, but it all kind of ties in together. And we're going to do a, a review of uh, RevPro's Global Wars that you were both at in a minute. But... Uh, yeah, I mean, JP, you caught both the, the NXT UK show and RevPro, as did I. Joe, you've only seen NXT UK so far. You weren't uh, able to get RevPro watched. Yeah, Rev Joe has not seen the RevPro TV <laughs> because um, Rev Joe's TV. God, I stopped doing that now. <laughs> 
can't pick up free sport. I had it when All Star was on. All Star, not All Star, Five Star. <laughs> That'll be a good TV show, All Star. <laughs> I'd rather that. Dean, but, uh, Extr- Dean to Extreme and. What was oh, the guy called who did like the the Hogan Dudley's gimmick? Um, the oh, what was his name? It's the something. I, I, was he a Dudley boy from Dudley? He does like the was up spots and stuff. There's probably people oh, okay. screaming the name of the podcast now. Do you not remember him, JP? I can't know. <laughs> anyway, uh, Flatliner, Flatliner, that's his name. Oh, him, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's yeah, made for TV. He should have been on one of these two TV shows. That's what you want to do if you want to get the casuals in. Well, Quilden knows him, so he should have booked him. <laughs> Where was I? Um, yeah, my TV, can't pick it up. So I tried to retune it, no luck. Uh, that was on my UView box. I then tried it on the preview built into my TV. Same result. Uh, I was going back to Southampton for the weekend, so I asked my parents to record it. Same result on their TV, can't pick it up. My brother's TV, can't pick it up. My girlfriend's parents' TV, can't pick it up either. <laughs> And I've not found a nefarious means to watch it online because I haven't seen it online anywhere either. And to that, you wouldn't be Rev Joe, so we can't have that. Exactly, I wouldn't do that anyway. Um, (laughs) And there have been um, what was I saying? There have been repeat viewings that I've just not been in for, so I've missed them. I've had to watch them live. So yeah, just not been able to see it. So I don't know if that's going to affect viewing figures at all. I don't know if anyone else had the same problems with. Their TV just not being able to get free sports at all. I'm kind of gutted I've not seen it, to be honest. I was really looking forward to it. Um, and I was out on Friday night anyway, so I wouldn't have been able to have seen it then. It's just, yeah, quite frustrating, to be honest. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of, for me, I'm a full-on cold cutter. I mean, you've been in my house, all I've got is a projector. So I don't yeah. have a, a TV hookup whatsoever. I don't watch any live TV, so the TV license man can't come after me, but I was in the same boat trying to struggle to watch it. I ended up watching it on the TV player app, which was grainy as hell. It didn't come across brilliantly on the, on the app, but I got to watch it at least. But yeah, that's that's a shame that, yeah, that, that there are those issues. It is one of those channels, isn't it, that people won't have known they've got and yeah, won't have been in the mood to, to retune the TV in the past to get either. So yeah, probably the, the problem of being on such an, an obscure channel. It is, and it's. And in terms of the on-demand, I think the only place you can watch it on-demand is the Premier Sports website, where you've got to have a subscription for it, and you've got to oh, pay that's a shame. as well. Um, and I've realised that's a repeat that my- viewings, isn't it? But it doesn't help someone like Joe. Well, yeah. repeat. There was meant to be a repeat viewing on today, and me and JP went to watch it before the podcast. And Glory Kickboxing was on instead. Oh, cage Warriors. Oh, Cage Warriors was on instead. That was oh. it. Yeah. So. Uh, Perhaps they're not repeating it where they're advertising it as well. Who knows? It just seems a bit of a free-throw over in free sport. It, it, that kind of stuff does make you worry about the channel if they're going to do that That kind of very old, what Eurosport used to almost do back in the day where they would kind of say something's on and it'd be something entirely different. And you'd be like, oh, God knows. It seems to be live tennis on instead of like New Japan, <laughs> which was on, back in, on that and back in the day. Oh, so, yeah, it's a... <laughs> That's kind of what this show kind of gave me as well. It kind of gave me flashbacks to that. I mean, just Liger being on the Rev Pro show kind of gave me flashbacks both to the first Nitro and to, yeah, that feeling of watching wrestling from a foreign land on Eurosport. That's what it, on on an obscure sports channel. So if that's the vibe they're going for, I think they did hit it. Well, funny enough, after, because like you, I watched it on the TV player app. I'd actually left it on. I think I had some ice hockey on. And I just started watching a bit of that as well, which was easy enough to watch. Um, 
But yeah, it, it says that none of us actually watched it on a free view. Well, me and you, Ben, I didn't watch it on a free view box. We watched it on a on an app. Joe wasn't able to get it on a on a free view box. Neither of us were able to see it in HD. These are things that really, when you the amount of digital content out there and the competition that's out there that things you do really hope are going to be remedied soon enough mm. because i mean we're saying about it being a problem from what we'd heard from people watching it uh, at the same time we were who were able to see it on hd is how good it looked in hd mm. i'm just incredibly jealous of not seeing it in hd <laughs> you're getting to see Rev pro in hd that's that's something else isn't it um yeah, put it up on the YouTube page. I don't know. I mean, you can have it geo-blocked if it means that much about not showing it outside the UK. There is a weird kind of thing, isn't there, going on with, like, the yeah the free sports digital pre- uh, like prevalence isn't really there. I mean, even down to... I kind of thought it was weird the first few tweets they were doing about the show. They didn't tag in RevPro. Uh, they didn't kind of advertise that it involved RevPro. It was just World of Pro Wrestling. That's changed now. I presume Andy Quilden put in a, a phone call or something and changed that. But yeah, something maybe, maybe that's just not the audience to go on for with it. With like, uh, that's kind of a good just juxtaposition, isn't it, between the two shows? We're going to talk about NXT UK being purely online and free sports. For, although there are ways, does feel like a very like traditional, you've got to watch this as it happens on the TV kind of product. I mean, JP, you saw both of them. Uh, who won mm. the war for you for, for this for, for week one? Um, I actually thought both shows were, were strong. Um, and I, I both definitely cleaned some of the, the bad taste of my mouth that I had from from ITV World of Sport. They were. Well, I should admit, for the NXT UK, that I didn't see the uh, Dave Mastiff, Sid Scala, or the Tony Storm, Nina Samuels matches. I sort of saw the beginning and I saw the end. But I haven't seen that little bit in the middle. Um it was. I thought the NXT UK stuff was was fine. It was good for a WWE product. But if you're asking me which was the better show and the one I enjoyed the most, and there's obviously my own bias as an independent wrestling fan, I would say Rev Pro. I mean, I would say for me that was the show that I enjoyed more, that felt different, and particularly the main event, which you know, as far as TV main events feels like it was almost from another world. I wasn't used to seeing that on a on a, mm. a one-hour wrestling television program. Because Sheeda and Zack Sabre Jr. main event in the, yeah, a TV show on British TV, and both looking like absolute stars doing it as well. A kind of that for me was a good lesson from the Rev Pro show. It was like, yeah, you don't have to. It doesn't have to be a certain type. You can you can make something like that feel important. There was something very, you know, we mentioned Eurosport before, very international about this world of pro wrestling show that Rev Pro are putting on. Yeah. It felt purposeful, and it felt. The commentators did a good job as well of putting over the fact that, you know, the, with some references to New Japan and some references to Rev Pro, that there was a, a bigger world out there, uh, you know, apart from this TV show that might hook some new fans, but also, yeah, putting over the, the importance of such a, um, a, a high-stakes technical match happening uh, on this very first show. Yeah, they did. And it was being sold. It, it, I thought it was more world of sport than what world of sport wrestling was. Mm. It kind of felt much more of what I suppose it's always going to be that what could have been because I'm still not convinced they're going to be renewed renewed um but what could have been with what world of sport should have been and in fact this would have been the kind of thing if you were looking to attract if you were looking to go for the kind of retro model this is exactly the type of main event that would have completely played into it as well um you know a lot of a lot of ground I mean a lot of groundwork um a, a lot of actual sort of real catch as catch can wrestling um it was 
you know, there was a logical pace to it. It built up. And the crowd, obviously, it was the first episode of what they'd recorded. So the crowd was was hot for the main event as well. Um, and as good a TV match as I've seen in quite some time. Was it better than the match they had at York Hall last year, the one that went like 35 minutes? Yeah, yeah, much better than that. That was like the kind of <clears throat> the last time that I think I saw Zack Sabre Jr. live and I didn't enjoy the match. Mm-hmm. That, that felt very painful. Mm-hmm. Um, no, it wasn't that, but it also didn't have, um, there was no ad breaks during it, was there? No, they kind of just let the match itself breathe. There was just a very like kind of pure sports d- delivery to it, wasn't there? And in do it, you know, by doing that and not doing ad breaks, yeah, I think that helped that too. Oh, excellent! I'm um, jealous now. Yeah. yeah, it was. It was a good show up and down. It was kind of like I think they. It was clear, you know, if if you listen to the the podcasts with the two Andes and they talk, they talked about what their issues with ITV were, and they kind of. By they kind of ticked all the boxes of fixing them. They they started the show with a a big card that that told you the rules of pro wrestling. You know something that's uh, maybe a little for me, maybe a little bit of an overreaction from World of Sport. But if you do want casual people to watch your show, you can't assume they know the rules to. You know, like World of Sport had like random five man and six man matches where it was never really explained. You know how the pinfalls work or even how wrestling works. And I think yeah, it, you could see the the lessons of ITV World of Sport kind of being learned. You know, there were a lot more a lot more emphasis on character. You know, Colt Cabana, a strange choice to be like the link to Brit Res history, but by doing a a sit down promo with him talking about how much he loves the British style and just getting over who he was and him being so happy to be there and getting that character over and just giving the characters room to breathe, giving the matches room to breathe, you know, as JP just said, having the main without a, without an ad break as well, it did feel like they they learned a lot of lessons. Okay, uh, sounds like it's all logical as well, and you know, yeah. logic is something I love in wrestling, and it's something we don't get a lot of these days, so mm. yeah, I'm looking forward to eventually finding a way to watch this. Mm. Yeah, logical is probably the best way to describe it. There's nothing... Uh, there was a comment, I think it was John John Lister, the, the wrestling historian and, and author who'd said about this on on Twitter. He'd said, it's the kind of show that if it was on in the pub with the sound off, you wouldn't be embarrassed by saying you watched it because <laughs> it, felt, it felt quite grown up. It's the opposite to that segment from Impact we spoke about earlier yes, on then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And even though there were, there were some bits that were more OTT than others, and obviously you had Gideon Gray and Great O'Khan in there as well, and, and a squash match, which I liked as a squash match. Yeah, I like putting that on TV. And, yeah. And, uh, you know, Gideon Gray's perfect for TV, isn't he? He's such a campy oh. Brit Rez character. He, he's a great juxtaposition to the pure sports of the main events and the opener. He's the best comedy worker in the UK at the moment, if you ask me. Yeah. Along with Richie Gauche. He's he worked really well for I mean, and Great O'Khan, I don't know I'd say it's growing growing on me. In terms of there's more dynamism in the match you see, and in terms of how a squash match is going to be set up, it was good. So you kind of you have the, the Liger Brooks match at the beginning, which is which is good. There's a hot crowd there. Mm. It's a perfectly good sort of T V match, and then you have Brooks turn on Liger. It, it had, like you said earlier on, but it just had a bit of everything. It had mm. the kind of serious sit down. It had the the heated pull apart angle between Shah Samuels and Dan McGee. Oh, glad to hear Shah's back. <laughs> Who's been promoted as a British uh, returning British heavyweight oh, champion as well? 
in 30 it. seconds they did a better job with them than ITV did in their entire series yeah do you know what Shah Samuels is I've got a take for you <laughs> he is the Nick Cotton of Rev Pro so here he is, 2012, first <laughs> Red Pro champion, right? Establishes the belt. Nick Cotton, 1985, opening scene of EastEnders, stinks of it. He killed Reg Cox, cliffhanger straight away. He established the show. He was pivotal to storylines for years. Then he went away. But then every few years, he'd come back and he'd make a statement. Everyone remembered him. Shah Samuels, he's been away. He's had little, little times where he's come back, right? This is his comeback. He's the Nick Cotton. He's going to come back and he's going to cause <laughs> like shit to kick off time and time again. He had his run with James Castle. He was the equivalent of Nick Cotton's son who died when he rode Mark Fowler's bike and he cut the brakes on the bike, remember rightly. <laughs> Dad McGee is going to be like the Martin Fowler now where, you know, he gives him a couple of pills and all the rest of it and tries to influence him and get him on site. Shah Samuels is going to have a role, I think, here, where he's going to come back time and time again, <laughs> and he's never going to be outside a Rev Pro. But he's going to have long, extended breaks, and I'm so glad to see Shah Samuels back. Love <laughs> Luke. I'd, I, I'd, I'd watch that if that's what they're going to book. I'm well up for a uh, yeah for Gabriel Kidd filling the the Martin role. Not Gabriel Kidd, Dan McGee. He was very Gabriel Kidd on this show. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> Dan McGee doing the, the Martin role and being the the poor uh, the poor young boy that gets taken advantage of by Shah. I think there's a uh, there's definitely money in that. Oh, I'm absolutely up for this. What What do you mean by the Gabriel Kid role stuff? Oh, it was just I, I tripped up reading my notes. He was um, it, it kind of he, you know you know on the ITV World of Sports show and Gabriel Kid kept cutting those terrible. I don't know if you saw much of it. He was cutting those terrible oh, ringside so promos much. like with with no personality, looking blankly into the camera. Oh, it it almost felt like Dan McGee was doing a takeoff on that. I don't think he was. I think it was just a bad promo. But yeah, that's what led to uh, to Shark coming out and attacking him. Well, if Shah can get McGee over, then I'll be very happy. Not to say McGee isn't over, but to a national audience, I'll be very happy to see a man from Portsmouth uh, <laughs> over on a national basis. Definitely. <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, you should definitely check the show. Joe, I, I did think like uh, you got a show with that left. Get the get the matches have time to breathe, but let the characters, the rules, the, just an overall universe kind of be set up and plenty of seeds of stories to follow along as the weeks go on. I just think they did a, a really good job. I mean, I don't know. You could probably say a lot of those things about the first NXT UK show as well. I mean, briefly before we, we go on. I mean, I, I think you could. I thought NXT UK was, was better than ITV World of Sports as well. It's not something I'm hugely excited about as a, as a product. It does feel a little bit stale being so long in the can and only coming out now. Um, but although they did a better TV wrestling job than than the ITV World of Sports stuff, I know we, uh, we haven't really had the chance to get you full uh, ITV World of Sports takes on this show at any point, Joe. ah yeah i think i gave up after three episodes so let's see how long i hang in there with nxt uk um for me like yeah it was fine but the fundamental issues i have with this are the reason it exists right and to me i was watching this and i was thinking right what is unique about this show what separates this from NXT, other than the fact it's called NXT UK, and it was filmed in the UK, and I'm watching it and I'm thinking if you just switch this on, you saw the NXT branding, you wouldn't know this was filmed in the UK, you'd have no idea, like there's nothing about this that the venue maybe would give it away yeah, I don't know, I just don't think there's anything about it that makes it uniquely British or a uniquely different product 
in, in any way whatsoever. You've got Nigel McGuinness, who I love, and he makes sense of commentary. Vic fucking Joseph. Yeah, let's just get the 205 Live guy in there. He's like another British commentator. Like, inform people a little bit more on what British wrestling is, the roots of it, and all the rest of it. Get a little bit more prestige and kind of context to it. To me, it just felt like... NXT branding with a bunch of matches that took place between wrestlers who were from and based in the UK, if anything. And there was nothing that was, like I say, uniquely British about it. I saw at the beginning they showed a couple of, like, phone boxes and as while you're at it. Like, it's WWE's version of what British is. It's global wrestling right here with global branding like there's nothing region specific about this like wwe i don't think like regional wrestling do that i know vince has spoken out about the territories and the rest of it about wrestling and all that but then they've got a show called wwe uk which in a global market calling it uk makes it regional to some extent but they've not made it in any way regional. It's just I just find it such an odd programme that it feels like it's been underthought as well. And it oh, there's just so much about it that I'm just not interested in. Like, yeah, there's a lot of guys on here that I like, I'll be honest, but it's not gonna get me coming back week to week. Like what what reason is there? What hook is there here? Yeah. I think they're kind of relying a lot on maybe booking the old style venues and relying on the fact that the crowds are, are very British. Um, yeah, it, it did feel very much like a, it, it, I mean, it, that's what it is. It's a WWE presentation of, of those guys. It's a WWE's version of the matches that you could see with those guys on the Indies, but within the WWE setting. Um, and it does, I think I definitely echo your point that as far as must must watch, it, it felt anything but that. It felt like you said having Vic Joseph on for me that made it feel like it's two hundred five live or below yeah. level or definitely below. In fact, it's quite clearly you know the fourth or fifth. I forget how many brands WWE have got at this point. You know, in on the totem pole, uh, it doesn't really matter a huge amount. But yeah, I think they're relying on the fact that you know there are people in there that like to you know you Pete Dunne, your Mustache Mountain, who they have created stars on, on some level out of and they're relying on the yeah having uh, you know the, the british indie fans coming out and giving it a bit of atmosphere that was one thing i got from a lot of the the americans who seemed to watch it that i didn't really pick up on i was kind of taking it for granted but they were saying how much they preferred the atmosphere to the to the us nxt shows uh mm-hmm. maybe that's what can help stand it apart but yeah it did just feel like yet another brand even if it was a a solid you know one hour of, of tv i thought but the, but the issue with all of these brands, and 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 while, but what what I what I watched of NXT UK, it was fine. But as you guys have both made the point about, this is still got the sheen of how a WWE production works. It still follows exactly the same tropes and formats. Yeah, it's and that, WWE formula, isn't and it? And that is, hmm. and their formula has been stale for a very long time. And so even down to the music at the beginning, um, everything about it feels like the idea for what it is has just been in stasis since what they did for Blackpool, which that was just based on what they normally want to do, how they normally want to produce their their products anyway. it's, It's just, I'm sick of the environment and the trappings. And 
in terms what the reason why I like the Rev Pro show is they were doing at least doing some things that were different, like you say, about introducing the rules and having and I know that's unique obviously they have to establish it with a completely brand new audience, but having the the kind of Colt Cabana sit down was different. Having the interview by Ringside was was different. There were lots of things about it that that felt I don't know, a lot happier. Although NXT UK did say what was going to be on next week, and that's something that the Rev Pro show didn't actually do, was have this next time on World of Pro Wrestling. Like a hard sell, yeah. You were kind of like Although sell. NXT UK were advertising Wolfgang and Tyler Bates, so I, I don't know whether, whether I'd even well, advertise that if I was them. Yeah, how how interested can I get in a <laughs> Coffee Brothers and Wolfgang? Like, yeah. Come on. That is a problem. I mean, I watch it for Pete, yeah. Pete Dunne matches, with, his match with Noam Dar, matches like that. I'll watch it every week for that. Um, but yeah, some, some of those personalities and yeah, some of those very, st- I don't know, it, just very stale pairings and very stale wrestlers that they've had on the contract now for a couple of years, spinning the wheels, not doing anything. Yeah, that that's that's the bit that doesn't excite me as much as uh, the Pete Dunne matches do. Yeah, how interesting a Dave Mastiff squash match is going to be? Like, I've, yeah. I've got zero interest in that. I had a more interest if Sid Scala was doing his uh, Del Boy gimmick when he evolved it into a yuppie gimmick, which I quite liked when I saw it once. But no, he just was some guy in a pair of trunks here who got squashed in two minutes. It ah, mm. uh, it's just, uh, it wasn't bad. None of this was that bad, but. Ah, WWE. <laughs> it's hard to get enthused by, by this product. It's hard to get infused when these guys, yeah, I know guys are getting a paycheck from this. I know that's a good thing. I, I don't know what's going on with the contracts and the four and eight month things. But it's hard to get infused over this when they've come over and they fucked up a great scene. They've had to get involved and they fucking say because they're a bunch of selfish bastards at the end of the day who have to have their fingerprints over something, have ownership over something. And, you know, after. I don't know, wreck what, I don't know, a few of us loved, I suppose. Am I bitter? Yeah, I am. <laughs> and I don't want to watch something that I'm kind of bitter towards, I suppose. Yeah. So we're saying <laughs> week one for Rev Pro then. I was going to say, for you, Benno, you've seen both of them. If you could only choose one to watch next week, which one would it be? Oh, it's got to be Rev Pro, yeah, 100%. It, I mean, Rev Pro is more designed. No, asking you, Joe, is there? And a fan like us, yeah, but... Yeah. By a company who are doing TV for the first time yeah. who are experimenting to do something different and present something different and give something proper back to the British scene rather than a company who are paranoid as to wrestling getting hot in Britain, so coming here instead of making a cynically produced by-the-numbers TV show. There's no competition here. We've said it before, like, that they they hate the idea of people making money off wrestling that isn't them. They hate it. They absolutely loathe the idea of it. And so it's about ownership of the industry, even down to the kind of smallest level for it. Mm. Yeah, it's a place. It's placeholder wrestling. Yeah. It's there as a way to sign up guys, stop them appearing on RevPro, stop them appearing on ITV World of Sports. Um, that's it. I'll, I'll get some entertainment value out of it, but yeah, it's hard, hard not to see through that, isn't it? It's going to be interesting in terms of ratings for it. I mean, I was just checking Bar before we were recording on here. Mm, the top eight programs um, on, so yeah, on a, on Free Sports, they had was it fifty two thousand, fifty one thousand? That was rugby and um, ice hockey. 
uh, and a lot of Polish speedway. They're big into that. <laughs> going into sort of the mid twenties. So I want to be interested. I think probably the, the Polish population over here. Hey, it's it, a good, it good, in, good in for free sport. They're doing that. Yeah, exactly. I'll get some Polish, get some Polish wrestlers in. Yeah, JP on your uh, your European excursion oh, podcast. Maybe yeah. you could find some Polish wrestlers and recommend them to uh, to RevPro to uh, get that going. I'll get them to expand that block open. Um, <laughs> said, why not? I've seen some Danish wrestling this week. It's all right. There's stuff out there. <laughs> But we're not going to see these figures likely for another couple of weeks at least mm. before before they come up. And I'm looking on here now, the latest ones they've got for free sport from like mid-September that I'm quoting. So it's it could be, you know, over a month or whatever until we see something about it. But the kind of figure I think for this to be a success is going to have to be over 20,000 to get it into that sort of established into the top 10 programs on there. And that's something to build upon. Um and try and find a way of streaming this online so if they can find another method that doesn't involve using the having to subscribe to Premier Sports for most people because that's also going to be an issue. I wonder if I should do a crossover with the Polish Speedway now. Get some of the Polish Speedway riders in <laughs> at your call. Take them to the ring or something. I don't know. <laughs> It could work. Um, I mean, while we're talking Rev Pro, I mean, let's get into our, our last subject. I mean, we wanted to talk. Uh, you guys got got yourselves the Global Wars in the, the Brixton Rec Centre. I like that the, yeah. the, the on the commentary on the VOD that I watched, they were referred to as Brixton Rec Centre, which maybe it felt like Murphy Rec Centre. It felt proper. Uh, yeah. I was a little bit concerned watching the kind of the photos flood into the venue you know as people oh, get those, it. those have been manipulated to fuck like they're not an accurate representation of the venue at. i think it was just before the lights went down wasn't it it did look yeah. it looked like just a, a leisure center with a basketball board up gave me horrible flashbacks to early 2000 indies but yeah when i watched the vod and they had the lights down it looked fine it didn't look particularly bad i mean how was it live as a, as a venue as an, an experience Oh, real mixed bag for this one as a as a venue. It was a novelty because it was different, mm. and you had to walk up these steps. It was a vile day. Oh, it was awful, it was awful, awful day. Um, and so we were there. Um, uh, we were also there with with um, the Ogden brothers. Were down for the uh, down as along with um, Gareth Hodgson, uh, the founder of the Grapple app, currently um, in beta. That's right, coming in beta. Um, and we were sort of all stood up and we kind of feared the worst as we kind of came in. Mm. But it was, in terms of going in and out of a venue, it was a lot nicer than being at your call where you're kind of strip searched the moment you step anywhere near <laughs> the place. This one didn't have any of that. Um, I have to say, from a live perspective, they had like one portable bar. And it was like they had people missing matches, especially in the first half, queuing right behind the tiered seating. Mm. Um, but where, where, where we stood, we had great sight lines. But there were there are issues about it as a venue if you were ever going to run it again. Of, of yeah, I, I can't see him running it again, to be honest. I'd like to see other companies try and run there. Yeah, it'd be an interesting not, one to do. Not a it's bad. a bit small, isn't it, for RevPro? It's, uh, was it like yeah. eight 800? Was that the number or was it a bit lower yeah. than that? Yeah, it was 800. And they wanted to run Crystal Palace. Um, so we're trying for 2000 was the original goal mm. for this one when they found out York Hall was booked for the day. So it's a bit of a shame in a way. And it just feels like it was a venue that came to the rescue kind of on, what was it? Three weeks notice or something, apparently four yeah. weeks notice. So 
Yeah, it was. Uh, it's, it wasn't the best venue. There were issues with that bar as well, which I think Quilden covered on his podcast last week, didn't he? About the mm. bar being a bar for hire, and he wasn't allowed to provide his own bar, and they had to use this guy they had to hire in, and then there were complications with that as well. So that just all sounded a little bit messy as well. And I suppose running a venue where there's a, a bar is <laughs> for the best, really, isn't it? Mm. And it's going to avoid these problems. Um, I thought the show was pretty good. I got to say, I thought it was one of their better big shows this year. I thought top to bottom there were some interesting matches, and every match was good in its own way. I don't think anything really. The only thing I thought disappointed maybe was the Ring Camp versus Lij match. I couldn't get into it. Um, I didn't love that. I thought Walter was mm. selling too much in it, and I think Lij don't don't bring their A game when they come over. No. It's a few times now where. They've really not delivered. I don't Lucky if they take the t-shirts off, aren't you? That's kind of what where we're at with Lij. Yeah, yeah, and I just I know I, I sort of get it to an extent, but I'd like a bit more from them when they mm. when they're continuing to come over. You know, it is a bit frustrating on that part. Um, mm. But up and down the card, I thought there was variety. Really loved the Rishi Ghosh versus Great O'Khan match, if I'm honest with you. Mm. Might be because I've seen all the angles leading up to this on the cockpit shows, so I understand. I what... felt like a very cockpit segment when I was watching on the VOD. Really? I was thinking, I don't get this, but it felt like more people in the building got it than, than, than have some of the, like, the very cockpit-heavy stuff that's paid off on, on bigger shows. Um, but yeah, I mean, still still plenty of entertainment value when you've got those those guys in the ring. Yeah, and I think Lord Gideon Gray is great as well. I think Rishi is a, quite an underrated wrestler and a great at comedy stuff as well. So I thought that was a nice little break at, the, at a point as well. I, I thought Brooks Naito was okay for what it was. Mm. Uh, I'd say okay. That, that was one where I was like, if I was live in the building, I think I would have enjoyed it more. But watching on VOD, it did feel a little bit. I don't know. It, again, Naito not taking his T-shirt off. Maybe that that, yeah. that annoys me too much. But it felt yeah. very. It was very exhibitionary. It was a match just to be there. Brooks from the TV, I think, is supposed to be a heel now, but he was very much the beta to the alpha heel, which Naito was here. Yeah, I didn't love that one to be honest. Okay, he gave him two Destinos, which surprised me. That was well. interesting. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, I thought Goto Zach was awesome. Um, there was some. Don't know how it was in the VOD, but Zach I thought was absolutely amazing. This match, the, the stuff on the outside, I loved some of Zach's reversals. I thought Zach was really on it here. It's the best I've seen from Goto when he's been over to the UK mm. before. So I was quite happy with that. How did that one come across in the VOD, Benno? Hey, I didn't love it. I don't want to be the negative guy, but yeah, as a show, I, I, I love the main event. I found the majority of the show quite flat. It was a long show to get through. And to be honest, you know, a big part of that's probably just the fact that I just don't like, I don't want to see Goto. Um, I, I know that he's, my brain knows, I mean, we talked about this in the G1, but brain knows that he's a good wrestler, but I can't help but just think, Bleh, Goto, every time he comes out. And it was another <laughs> one of those matches that didn't, feel like well i mean why 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 is this on the why is Zack saber jr facing goto is the title implications is it it just felt like just a match for me I've, maybe i've just had my fill with suzuki gun uh, chaos stuff i think a lot of the matches on it when you say it like that did feel a bit like that though so for me i was thinking why well, i'm watching El Fantasma and rocky romero mm. um yeah there were a lot it did feel sort of like a super show and like when you were talking about tiers of rev pro shows every week this was kind of encapsulated this to some extent i thought because it was very much like sort of 
exhibition-y rather than storyline mm. focus. And I don't mind exhibition-y from time to time, but this felt super exhibition-y. I think it was partly uh, because David Starr wasn't able to make the show because of his airline being yeah. closed down or whatever yeah. as well. A lot of RevPro's stories are wrapped up in David Starr right now, aren't they? And he, like That's the obviously the direction going forward as well, isn't it? I think he would have beat Kushida here. And they would have done something to set up him moving into the title contention. I think that's. I think you've hit the nail on the head there. I think that is what this show was missing. Yeah, without a doubt, um, it was a real shame because I think him beating Gashida would make that title match make all the more sense. And mm. <laughs> at the moment, I sort of think, oh, is it too early for that match? I don't know. I'm sure I'll enjoy it, and it's quite a unique match as well. I suppose it makes sense with the trajectory of David Starr as well, but mm. yeah, it's a, it's a tough one. I think Kojima Davis was another one that I enjoyed for what it was, but I was thinking, why is Kojima going over here? Like mm. that There was a lot of, of that on this show. Yeah, it felt like the peak of that sort of stuff, if I'm honest with you. Yeah. Like, Kojima going over Davis, I, I don't know. Like, yeah. And then when you've got Walter, I know Walter didn't take the full, but Ring, they could be a, you know, a hot tag team in Rev Pro as well, and you've got LIJ going over and coming in. Like, I get that you're hindered with your book, and I get that Evil's facing Chris Jericho in a couple of weeks, but uh, there's a lot of it that's doesn't help and i think is a lot of fans have become a little bit unhappy with that at the moment i think having you know you hit on the you nail on the head having star on the show that would have covered that as well if we'd have had that big star win over kashida we might have forgiven some of those losses because you can kind yeah. of go there you go there's a there's your ideal example of a rev pro guy beating a somewhat named new japan guy but once you take that out of the equation and obviously kashida's got to beat curtis chapman you look down the cage match results for this show and it's I think it's like six matches in a row with the New Japan guys go over, yeah. JP. That was one of the things I was speaking to Andy Ogden, who was there. I think it was after um, Kojima Big Davis, and he went, bloody New Japan winning again. <laughs> and it was like kind of, and at that point it was like, yeah, it's quite hard. And, I, and, and you know, I brought this up earlier on with something that OTT managed to do when they're booking their shows of, of, of kind of not devaluing other wrestlers they have there by almost kind of keeping them out or turning it into kind of mixed tags where you might be able to have someone kind of taking the fall on it. And I think they need, they needed to do that. And I both can agree with what you've both said about David Starr and the kind of necessity that he would have had to have done something here. Um, I think that's probably why we end up enjoying Rishi Ghost Great Khan a lot because it kind of was completely separate to all of that. Mm. And that felt like a bit of a relief. Uh, but yeah, it was a real problem. It was consistent, you know. Does Kojima need a win over Davis? Mm. No. You does know. Davis need to be in a singles match? I, I, well, yeah. I think Kyle yeah. Fletcher was back in Australia though for the week. Well, he ah. was. He, yeah, he was. He's been in. He's been in Australia for a couple of weeks. yet to, to fair to, enough. Then, um, you know, Ridgeway Osprey was a ref pro match to a degree, and that was. You I know, enjoyed that. That was. Uh, I yeah. mean, if you count Osprey as a New Japan guy. That's yeah. a, I mean, it's maybe it's charitable to say that, but that's a nice place where Ridgeway's the type of guy Rev Pro should be making right now, and they did, you know, make the effort to make him here. They are, and I know obviously he was a focus of the TV program sitting out there during the main event during um, Zach Kashidas. If they're going to put the focus on him, he is someone who is new, fresh, and there's room for growth and improvement, particularly in terms of his character work as well. There's a lot that they can work with, as well as having some really good matches. 
And if they've got him as a regular on places like the cockpit, it's going to work at that kind of smaller level. But I think his 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 matches are, you know, it's going to add something different to what they're able to offer at the moment. It's just that it, it's you know these new the new Japan kind of booking restrictions. They need to find a way of uncomplicating it and removing it from the process. Not obviously getting rid of New Japan or anything daft like that, but just trying to work out a way where it's not going to hinder some of their young talent. So at least they will have got something in the build-up. And then ask, look, is it all right if Kojima loses? They're not going to have another, you know, what? Is he up for another big run? No. <laughs> I'd, I'd love for the conversation to take place like Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Should happen exactly like that. Kojima lives? No. Fuck. Lives anyway. Well, it kind of goes to the argument we made on our last show, though. Like, is it worth it for the fact that you get to deliver main events like Ishii and Suzuki? That's the counterpoint, oh, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. It's <laughs> and that's what that's what sold us to the building at higher ticket price they normally would sell. Yeah, they mm. were higher. Yeah, they were. Um, but at the same time, it was worth every penny because that Ishii Suzuki match was so good. Better than uh, Manchester, would you say? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. There was more of a consistent intensity i thought than there was in the manchester match it felt like more epic than the manchester yeah. match and the thing i was thinking like i every match i thought on the card was good but there were frustrations with certain matches based around talent and you know uh, hindrance of certain booking constraints put upon certain talents as well um, as jp's explained but then Ishii and Suzuki happened and it was so different to everything else on this mm. card. And it just felt so unique and so interesting as a result of it. And it just felt like a proper big match. Mm. Like, I loved the presentation of this match. Suzuki was absolutely on in this match. Like, I've spoken about LIJ not delivering over here this year, whenever that, or last year as well, whenever they came over. You can't say that for Suzuki. This mm. man... In the UK this year, I think he loves this country. If you look at his Instagram, when he's over it, he's taken all sorts of great little pics. He's had a great old time over it. Loves the Nando's, unsurprising. And a, and a good coffee, flat white by the look of things quite often. <laughs> he's a top bloke. And he's coming over and having top matches. Like, I think he's had some great tag matches over here this year. Mm. Um, he's had two great matches with Ishii over here now this year. Like, this man has well and truly delivered and you know been worth his weight in gold when he's come over this year like he's been a joy to have in this country in 2018 and if this is the last time we see him now coming over it and if he, i know he's coming over in november isn't he with zach yeah. so yeah. we get to see him again and against aussie open and i sort of think on one hand yeah maybe the match at aussie open with lij was disappointing but suzuki's delivered on such a high level this year mm. that I can't see this being anything but great. Uh, yeah, the Ishii match was awesome. The strike battles were great. The bits and the crowd had me going mad. Like I never thought I'd be stood next to Minoru Suzuki while he was battering Tomohiro Ishii. And it's hard to get me excited these days at wrestling. Oh, I was excited, I tell you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it felt like one of those shows, one of those matches where... The big atmosphere, the hard strikes. I was kind of that. This match, I was thinking, oh, I kind of wish I'd made the trip. It didn't. Maybe just watching it on VOD again. It didn't quite for me hit the level of the Milton. Key, uh, sorry, the Manchester match. Mm. But I think it. 
it, it got there. I mean, I think the, the big strike exchanges near the end were great. I was buying the near falls near the end. I was I appreciated that um, there was one note I noticed when Chris Roberts was counting the pinfall at the end. Ishii's feet were on the outside, but he didn't do that WWE thing and call a pin as a shoot. He just counted three because that was the finish and no one would care. It's got, I appreciate that, that that big difference there that you get in a, in a Rev Pro setting. But yeah, as far as the match goes, yeah, I think they, they built the match well. Maybe... Maybe it's the live bias for me. It didn't quite hit the yeah. heights of, of, the, of the Manchester match. But yeah, this is the positive of the relationship, isn't it? They're getting this match. The, the Rev Pro will be made up that the I mean, they're doing a rematch. Okay, it's not in Rev Pro, but there's a Rev Pro title match between Ishii and Suzuki happening in a power struggle. That's a big thing for Rev Pro to get their, their belts out there in any way. The, the negative for me is that, you know, you mentioned Suzuki there, Joe. Love it, love him coming over here, but we didn't get any defences out of him, unless I'm forgetting something as Rev Pro champion. That's a bit of a disappointment. That indicates for me maybe him and Zach drop the belts and we don't see a lot of them going forward. But those negatives aside, yeah, I would say this is the type of stuff that, that makes that relationship worth it and, and still very, very fruitful for, for Rev Pro. This is when, you know, they have the dream matches. And this is part of the. This is really a good part of the appeal of Rev Pro that they're able to do this. I know that that's the thing that drew me back into watching British independent wrestling again was the the Tanahashi Marty Skrull match. I mean, all of these things are kind of, uh, you know, the fact that they can offer this, and this is completely unique from anything you're going to be getting with um, with other British independent um, companies. They can't offer something that, that kind of works on this scale. Well, when they do, we get Jack Gallagher main event in a show. Well, we lost, yeah. uh, you know, <laughs> I, 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 I never even think of Jack Gallagher. What's he up to these days? Is he still a thing? Oh. Is he on TV in WWE? That's also have to mention as well about, uh, at the point when, um, Suzuki turned around to Andy Ogden. Oh, and, yeah, that was and, good. And sort oh, of I didn't hear about this. Zip. What was this? He turned around during the match and did a zipping his lips motion. <laughs> That Andy Ogden will be the first time who turned around and says, "I've shit me pants," <laughs> and, and you know did that with the serious death stare. And it's one of the things about you, you see with Suzuki. You mentioned about the live bias. You're completely on board with that, and you'll notice yourself seeing Suzuki with fans oh, that yeah. really appreciate him is special. He's got and so- you've got the proper theme. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the level of effort that he put in here as well. He's fifty. This bloke's fifty. Is he what forty, forty-one? Yeah, I think he's early forties. But combined age of ninety. <laughs> what yeah. the fuck? Yeah, kind of says something, doesn't it? But yeah. yeah, Suzuki is one of the most unique talents still working at the moment, and I think you know we are very lucky to be able to get to see him in a recreation centre in Brixton, of all places. <laughs> That's it. I mean, just you see, you see him dropping the belt to David Starr, Ishii. Is, is that is that where we're going? Is that the right going forward? This is how I'd approach it. So, I'd have um, Aussie Open take the belts like a Zach and, um, Suzuki. and Suzuki. Yeah, um, but I'd keep the heavyweight title on Ishii. Okay, don't know how many dates they're going to get on Ishii, but you know that if they've got Ishii, say in January. And then they've got Ishii again um, over WrestleMania weekend. You've got a couple of other big defenses you can do maybe like a York Hall in January. I don't know if they're going to do a December show in York Hall. Um, then you've got a defense you can do at WrestleMania weekend. Could even drop it over WrestleMania weekend. I don't know. Um, but I'd keep it on Ishii for the time being because Ishii is a, is a star. 
And if he's carrying that belt, it does give it that recognition. And if they can get other defences on New Japan shows as well, that is, you know, really putting that belt over, mm. turn it into a big belt. Maybe if they could even get something on, dare I say, on the Tokyo Dome show. Who knows? I doubt that. But I would keep the world title on Ishii for a little while. I think there's more you can do with that. But I'd get them tag belts on Aussie Open because I think they can start main eventing shows with Aussie Open in tag matches. And I think though people would be fine with Aussie Open main event shows because Rev Pro's tag scene and the cockpit shows and some of the smaller shows have been so good. There have been so many good tag matches with guys like the Arrows are Hungry, the Hunter Brothers getting in there with Aussie Open as well. You've got Walter and Thatcher being used as well. CCK. Now. CCK. Yeah. With, oh, with Gresham and Brooks, great together. Mm. Um, you know, there's some really good tag stuff in Rev Pro right now. And I do think those belts are needed back on the shows on a more regular basis. More so than maybe the world title is at the moment. So it's the tag belts that I'd definitely be getting back on, if anything. Mm. Yeah, that's it. It's kind of something to... It, it, we've got these two different universes right now, haven't we, where the belts are so tied up in New Japan talent that, yeah, without them, it kind of... I don't know if it re- 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 renders divisions meaningless, but, yeah, something like that, where I think you could... It wouldn't. I think the fact that they've again praise on David Starr. They've had David Starr on shows defending being being cruiserweight champion. That helps. But I think yeah, I think you're right. I think if the, if the, if they could have Aussie Open doing a tag defense on every show going forward, I think that would make the difference and it would I don't know soothe some of the you know maybe the over reliance on New Japan and the over I don't know part of it's probably you know the the exodus of talent that they've lost to WWE, but. Yeah, maybe that that gap of the full time undercurrent of Rev Pro guys, maybe it bridge that a little bit, um, as well as some of the the other good things they did on this show. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I, from what um, you were saying as well with with having uh, Ishii staying as champion, to be honest, if there is a reasoning behind a lot of this New Japan booking, if there was the possibility of Ishii being involved in some kind of singles match where that title is being shown prominently on the dome, you know, it's, if you're going to have the equivalent of it as being the progress title on a WrestleMania, that's something that would never even be contemplated, even seeing that on there. If there's the possibility of that, there is, you know, there is going to be an effect from that. We all know there's a big bounce when it comes to Wrestle Kingdom and subscription and interest in New Japan as well. If they can, if that's the kind of bigger game of saying, look, you're going to be given this as well and being given this exposure, I, I have enough confidence they'll be able to do something actually with it. And I also would like to see some matches like Ishii Bowden. Like, oh, yeah. They did it know, before, didn't they? A couple uh, of years back. Oh, and Bowden. Might... That's someone we haven't talked about. I, well, I'd, I'd, love to, I'd love to have seen Joe's reaction when he ran out and attacked Ridgeway. Um, I was more distracted by Osprey being injured and watching. Oh, yeah, of course, yeah. Right place if I'm honest with you so oh. I sort of come out and was like oh there's Bowden got his top he looks big um, <laughs> and I was watching like yeah. I was wondering what was going on with Osprey you could see people running around and it yeah. it was a bit distracting to be honest um oh, Bowden true. Ridgeway I'm sure that'll be good mm. um yeah carry on with Bowden hope he carries on being a dick hope mm. people carry on booing him and stop thinking oh I don't like him because he's not very nice and actually invest in the fact that he's doing a good job of being this, you know, someone quite detestable. But He's definitely moved out of the junior division oh, now. Yeah, it's yeah, well out. Yeah, like, yeah. he was... 
Looks like he's eaten Josh Bowden. <laughs> he, that's it, though, isn't it? The fact that this is the time for people like him, like Ridgeway, like Brooks, like yeah. David Starr to step up. Because one question I kind of had, I don't know, you know, where you'd stand on this. Like, you take away the New Japan guys, who is the top guy in Revpro? Like, who's yeah. Yeah. who's their guy? I, I mean, those four are kind of the people like, it could be for me, but none of them stand out as being that guy. Yeah, I don't think any of them have really been able to, you know, stamp their mark and take that claim, if anything. Mm. Like, a couple of years ago, it was Marty uh, mm, by yeah. some distance. You had sort of Zach there as well and Osprey, and they were sort of the clear three, like, real Rev Pro guys, weren't they? Mm. And now, yeah, it is hard. It is a tough one. I think sometimes the cockpit shows, the cockpit shows are always so much fun, but... I need to come to one of them. Yeah, I was chatting to... Um, friend of the show mark buckledy of the last one about how there isn't that consistent main event guy on those cockpit shows that you know is going to be there as a main event month to month i think they're sort of trying it with el phantasmo but i just don't think he's quite fully there at the moment mm. even last year when marty wasn't on him as wasn't on the cockpit shows and zach wasn't on as many they really established the cck unit of brooks and banks as that as well to some extent mm. and now obviously with banks not being there i'm still not sold on brooks as a single necessarily it is a tough one it's a really tough one and yeah it feels like there's a little bit of i don't want to say an identity issue but yeah that does feel like there's a little bit of an issue on finding that sort of guy or core of guys mm. to really stake a claim and be those real rev pro guys at the moment um, any other notes on the show then uh, before we go? Uh, anything else stand out? Anything else we haven't talked about? Um, struggling to think of the the yeah, like Joe said, there wasn't anything that was bad per se. I, I think there was, you know, I know on a personal level, it was some of the stuff on the, on the booking that was primary. Uh, yeah, so know, the, the endings, I would say, rather than. The booking. I think there's a lot of questions coming out of it on where Rev Pro are at the moment because that's it. You know, they've just got the TV show, mm. but they're sort of in. I don't want to say they're in a bind, but they're in just a weird place, aren't they? Mm. Because the wrestling's good. The wrestling's really good. It's never bad. Um, you've always got good workers on the show, but it's. I don't know. Like, what are they at the moment, and where are they going at the moment? And I think. Mm. I think I think they're going in a good direction, but it seems to be, you know, taking its time to maybe get to that point, if that makes any sense. Do you two think part of the problem is is that they can't have, previously with Zach, Marty and Osprey, obviously, it was a very different wrestling landscape in terms of contracts and where they were able to work. And the problem is now is you've got a lot of people who've obviously got exclusivity deals with uh, WWE or their first, you know, those wrestlers, their first priority is New Japan. And you can't, you're not really going to have someone like Ridgeway guaranteed to be under contract because let's face it, he could just be offered an uh, NXT UK deal at any possible minute. And that's kind of the risk. Yeah, with to, some, to some extent. And the young line trainees, we mentioned about Dan McGee, mentioned about Kurt, they're not ready for those yeah, elevated yeah, positions yeah. yet. So when you say like the, it is like this kind of difficult period in between they're not going to be able to have those former guys for any extended periods of times yeah. and their own homegrown talent aren't going to be ready to go in there in that what, place. What they need, I think, at the moment is they need a, 
They need what Devlin is to OT. Yes. And mm. I think they need Mar- a flagship star. Yeah, Marty was previously that to Ref Pro, and you could uh, they haven't really replaced Marty since he's gone off and you know um, taken the world by storm and all the mm. rest of it. Um, so yeah, it's a tough one. I don't Chris, know where. Go on. Chris Chris Brooks stands out to me as who they they. I think you know we, we talked about you know when he did that promo, the state, the independence promo, and. My take on that was he felt very like CM Punk sticking around in Ring of Honor when everyone left for TNA in the mid two thousands. <laughs> he's that guy, isn't he? And that's he's there. Nice. That's where they're going to put their eggs. But I don't know if I'd do it. I, I think I'd rather see him with Gresham. Um, yeah, I would as well. But I think he's from a marketing point of view, it makes sense for him to be your guy. He's someone like you know JP just said you can't rely on you know people could get snapped up by NXT anytime he's someone that could that likely is going to be sticking around it's just whether he can be that flagship star for him but yeah there, there certainly is that guy i mean in an ideal world zach marty and osprey be able to do all the rev pro shows and do new japan at the same time and we wouldn't have this problem but yeah there is that kind of gap at the moment isn't it and it's begging for someone like a brooks to to step up and, and take the spot on a personal basis if they're going to go in with someone right or wrong Bowden. I think the problem with Bowden is, and no likes <laughs> when he start that conversation, I'm probably <laughs> Josh Bowden's second biggest fan. Yeah. <laughs> after Josh Bowden, no, after the oh yeah, right, sorry, the Bowden fan for the Ref Pro shows. Yeah, um, the problem is in this weird world that we currently live in, because he's a dick, or, or you know, comes across as a bit of a dick. People aren't going to invest in him, unfortunately. Um, you know, it's the weird world of, you know, breaking the fourth wall wrestling and kayfabe is dead that we currently live in, I suppose. He's got all the ability in the world, but I just don't think that he's necessarily going to sell houses and he's not going to, he's not great when it comes to merch. You never see him selling merch because I suppose he's loyal to his character and the rest of it. So, I don't think they'll go with him. And it seems to me like he was the next guy to go mm. in there. For ages, I thought he's the guy to replace Marty when Marty goes. But mm. no, I don't think it's going to happen, unfortunately. I don't think it necessarily happened. I but think they were prepping Ryan well, Smile for that as well. Yeah. I mean, obviously, stuff happened with him as well. I, I was going to say that I would go with him partly because he isn't all of those things. That he isn't someone who kind of demands to be liked, obviously. It's very clear or doesn't mark doesn't mark himself in that way of being like the proper asshole heel champion that that people come into or oh, a different type of heel. We spoke about how Walter's working as a heel in OTT. This is obviously a completely different type of heel, but someone who can get that kind of heat. And if you're able to build up a a face to come in and then try and dethrone him and not managing to mm-hmm. do it and that kind of riling the crowd even more I mean, it creates some possibly very lively atmospheres, but I'd be intrigued to see where it went. Oh, I'd love to see it. Like, mm. the idea of proper heat and people buying into proper mm. heat and people going mad and hating on him is something I love the sound of. I just don't know if it will work. Because at the same yeah. time, those people at OTT, they love Walter. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. But there's this, like, new world dynamic when it comes to wrestlers that you almost have to love them as well in order to invest in them in some way whereas give them the charity of booing them yeah it's like the chris brooks problem like he's your best mate at the 
you know, the merch table, so you boo him in his match. And it all feels like it's become a bit too tongue-in-cheek for my liking when it comes to that kind of heat. And fair play to Brooks, it oh. works for him. I get it completely from his point of view. But it just feels like, unless Bodum's going to start posting, uh, I don't know, emojis on Twitter and start, I don't know, doing crappy memes and all the rest of it and marketing himself to this younger crowd and all the rest of it, they're just not going to invest him in that way. And you know, it's so, really unfortunate. The more you say it, I mean, what we're saying we'd like Josh Bodum to do, it does feel like that's what they're doing with David Starr right now. I think David Starr, I, I mean, I'm not one who enjoys, you know, on Twitter, people mm. playing, people, you know, Monday to Saturday talking about what they're having for lunch and how much they love their fellow the fellow colleagues and posting pictures and selfies with other wrestlers and then when they've got a match coming up that particular match that's real the, the wrestling's real now and i'm really gonna i really hate this person and I, i'm never a fan of that but david Starr walks that line really well i think his current heel act he is he's so detestable both in ring and in the online promos he's cutting on twitter he's someone who i actually do think yeah it does fit that that mold maybe it's not Bowden, but i think you could David Starr could be that that very hateable top heel. Again, maybe you're not getting 100% real heat. You're always going to have an element of people playing along these days, but I think he could get something akin to that as the, the top guy in Rev Pro for sure. Put him and Bodum together in the way they sort of teased Gibson and Bodum last mm. year. I forgot about Zach Gibson, actually, in Rev Pro. He was great as well. Mm. Um, but, yeah, maybe maybe Bodum could pick up some more of Star's heat as well, potentially. I, I could see that working. I'd quite enjoy that. For sure. Definitely. Um, any other notes, then, uh, before we go? Anything else you want to talk about? Any more... Uh... Do we, do we want to slag off Father Ted anymore? Talk some more EastEnders? Uh, or are we, uh, are we good for him? <laughs> no, sure? I'm always up for talking EastEnders. <laughs> Your EastEnders in the Bill podcast, mate. I'm looking forward to when it actually comes out. I'll do like a vintage sort of soap opera drama 90s, early 2000s podcast at some point where we can talk all that shit. There you go. That's the future or the past. Uh, JP, uh, before we go, do you want to uh, plug your podcast one more time that you uh, you did this week? Oh, yes, yeah, you can find it. It's on the Eurograps feed on SoundCloud. Um, many thanks to Mike and Arn for having us across. Yeah, talking Danish wrestling. We are we're, we're beyond the fucking looking glass here now. <laughs> we're, we're going deep into the weeds of what else is out there. Um, and if you are interested in watching it, it's, it's a lot of it's on the WXW streaming service. We've got about seven or eight different promotions that are up on there. And this one's called Body Slam Wrestling. And there's some really good stuff, including, uh, I'm going to plug a couple of the matches on there. Ashley Dunn is on there. Uh, he does a match with a guy called uh, Chris Tyler, and they're up against the Swedish Elite. It's, it's, it's really good fun. It's probably, for me, the match of the night. And in the main event is Flash Morgan Webster and Chris Brooks but, and, uh, in a triple threat with Michael Finn, who's a Danish rapper, who's also their champion. Going to watch this, Benno? <laughs> it's worth it for Pete you know give it a chance you're not going to dip in and out of it what I will do JP is I will listen to your podcast I yeah. oh, so will I the amount of rest out there at the moment I... <laughs> Daily it, it doesn't no. sound essential even Brother Mort doesn't watch that stuff so yeah I'm, uh, I'm, he's I'm there oh is he oh fair yeah, enough yeah that's his local promotion <laughs> eh? he's there fair enough maybe after I listen to the podcast maybe that'll uh, that'll convince me <laughs> 
But speaking of, speaking of plugs, though, uh, one of the things I did pick up this week was the latest copy of Fighting Spirit magazine. <laughs> All right, yeah, yeah, it's good. Uh, the latest issue, Shawn Michaels on the cover. Good, uh, good bit in there from Will Cooling doing the uh, giving the I don't know the obituary of uh, ITV World of Sport. Check it out. Uh, yes. But yeah, also uh, yeah, I did do made my debut in it. Did a bit of a profile on uh, Shake El Champ, uh, the PCW wrestler. Um, He's a good man. You met him, didn't you, JP, when we were in uh, Preston? Oh, we, we him. all met him that night. But yeah, he's, <laughs> the bouncer in the Stanley Arms, you know. He is, um, who was absolutely, re- you know, really nice, uh, you know, sort of really interested in, you know, sort of feedback to how it was. And then occasionally would walk off to throw someone out of the door. Um, <laughs> it, was, it was great stuff. And a really well-written article by Benno as well on Shake Sham, which I definitely recommend everyone reads and picks up in WH Smith right now. Very true. It was a great moment when I went into the WH Smith in Bootlestrand, where I used to go when I was 12 and 13 and buy wrestling magazines and buy my very small contribution. Uh, But yeah, he's a good man, Shake Sham, and uh, yeah, he's got got a very interesting story, so check that out, but yeah, also uh, always check FSM out. There's some great stuff in there. Um, Also, uh, follow me on Twitter at BensonRichardE, follow JP at JPJP. Three E's. That That's right. right. Don't Good. follow Joe, but uh, follow at the Indie Corner on Twitter, uh, and also check out the Indie There's a couple of graps and claps up there. Tidal Wrestling, which always looks like a great venue. The uh, the vegan curry uh, always tempts me. He's got a review of Future Temple Shops. Temple of Boom, isn't it? Temple of Boom. Yeah, it looks like a like a really intimate venue, but with great food on offer, craft beers. It sounds like my kind of place. Um, but yeah, Joe's Beer Corner. If we go there. There you go. Yeah, we could we could revitalize that and bring that back. Um, but yeah, there's that. There's uh, there's future shock review, a couple of P- PWG results and reviews uh, on the indicorner.com as well. So check all that stuff out, and we'll be back again soon. Bye. Bye.